everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Kaiju Transmissions. Uh, this is a very special episode because, as I'm sure you all know, Shin Godzilla um, started its U.S. theatrical run this week. And here to discuss the many, many, many aspects of the film, we are joined by, well, first you know me, I am uh, Bird, and uh, with me is my... Gracious co-host, as always. Hey, everybody. It's Matt. Which Bird forgot about me earlier in the episode, but he edited that out probably. Did I? I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, you, I'm sure you did. Oh, all right. Uh, <clears throat> and then we're joined by several special guests. Um, we have with us uh, from uh, you, the last episode, which was our Frankenstein episode, um, Jelly, a.k.a. Tom, from the... Second Run Podcast, who has mm-hmm. done many a podcast with myself before. Say hello to the, the, the lovely people out there, Tom. Well, before before I start talking, you should know that uh, on your screen right now, you should see subtitles that say Account Manager, Petrochemical Process and Water Technologies, Tom Gwelly, Houston, Texas, Second Floor Gwelly Residence, Home Theater slash De Facto Recording Studio. Yes. Uh, that's that's in front of my name every time I start speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and if he if he does happen to get a promotion or a demotion, he will have a new subtitle in front of him as well. We forgot the name of our uh, council meeting, guys, which will change probably twelve times during this podcast. Well, we, well, we were in a meeting before this, but then we had to hold another meeting just to introduce ourselves, and then after that, we'll start a different meeting. Um, also with us, you remember him from several episodes, um, our Legendary Pictures episode, our con- Summer Convention episode, and our Ga- Showa Gamera episode, our friend Eric. Say hello to the beautiful people in podcast land, Eric. Hi, everyone. I'm just uh, thankful to be alive right now. <laughs> <laughs> And last but not least, if you are familiar with my other podcast, uh, If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It, which is a general movie news and reviews podcast, um, it's a pleasure to welcome, for the first time, to Kaiju Transmissions, Trevor Snyder, Trev3K, as the kids call him. Introduce yourself, Trev. Hey, how's it going? Yes, I'm very popular with the kids. And, uh, man, I'm super excited to be here to talk about Godzilla versus Mega Gyrus, right? That's what we're here for? <laughs> nah, man. Oh. I was really confused because you, you told me you wanted to have me on and talk about the new Godzilla movie, but what I watched the other night was not a movie, so uh, I'm just not really sure what's going on here. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, obviously, there's... Uh, quite a few of us here and we have a lot of things to say there's a lot to unravel so i'm gonna do my best to try and steer this in a in a some sort of direction if it gets too out of out of hand like you guys will be like hillary and trump and i'll be like anderson cooper so we're just gonna walk all over you (laughs) um so uh oh sorry Obviously, we're all fans here. Trev's whole, like, thing is, like, you know, he pretends to hate Godzilla to give me a hard time. But truth is, 
He uh, he's seen every movie at least once, and he likes many of them. He's... <laughs> because you forced them to. <laughs> nah, man, nah, nah. Don't don't listen. Don't listen to these people, man. No, the actual <laughs> the actual quick backstory on this is that like Bird just didn't even know that I was like into Godzilla, and I'm I'm just I'm just I'm more of a casual fan, but I've seen them all, and I remember when Bird found out, he kind of freaked out, and that was kind of exactly why I wasn't telling him because it's like oh. <laughs> I've already listened to enough of this. Like, <laughs> um, and and also that's part of what uh, kind of once made me want to have Trev here to begin with is he can he can give us a less like hardcore fan perspective on this movie. More of more of your average Joe. He he's like Joe the plumber. Is that still like which, a thing? That... Which apparently which apparently <laughs> is needed because the hardcore fans are going crazy right now. So. <laughs> um. You're going crazy with these political metaphors tonight, man. This is well. It, how it, it's only that. it's only proper for the film that we're talking about. Um, so, before we get into our overall impressions of the movie, um, I was asked politely. Uh, I, I had my synopsis card revoked for this episode, um, and I was asked to give the plot synopsis duty over to Jelly. Who, please tell us how. Uh, how yeah. this this new reboot uh, uh, unravels? Give it, yeah, give I'll it to us. Best. Here. I'll do my best to give the broad strokes, and if I miss something, you know, feel free to interject. But um, so it starts off with a, a boat adrift in uh, Tokyo Bay, and they're investigating it, and it's like it seems like it's empty, and the occupant is not on it, and so uh, kind of an assumption that he may have uh, committed suicide by throwing himself overboard. And as they're like, you know, oh, we got to tow this back in. Um, a tremor or something happens and all this red goo spreads out throughout the water in the bay and uh it starts leaking into some some tunnel that um i imagine is like some commuter tunnel or something and um so the prime minister has a meeting about it in the prime minister's office on the fifth floor and if you're wondering why i know it's the fifth floor it's because they tell us like six times but um it's on the fifth floor the prime minister's office they have a meeting and they're like, oh, it's probably just, uh, you know, like a vulca- like volcanic or seismic activity or something that, like, we didn't see when we did the surveys. And one guy is like, well, I don't know. I've seen some videos, and I think there's, like, a, a giant creature uh, on the floor. And they're all like, you're an idiot. Um, while they're having another meeting to decide, like, um, what to do about this volcanic activity, um, they're interrupted, and the TV gets turned on, and it is a giant creature. This giant creature then comes ashore and um i i'll try to i'll spare you what it looks like but uh it's basically an armless godzilla with bug eyes uh starts like flopping around through the streets and um they're like oh don't worry because he can't possibly support his own weight and then he does and so like basically this government is exposed as incompetent uh when they finally after like I don't know, maybe it's 20 minutes of movie time, but I think like it's supposed to be like an hour to an hour and a half of, of their time meetings, uh, trying to decide what to do. And they finally authorize the self-defense force. The creature mutates. It starts becoming more bipedal. It stands up on its own. Um, and it actually runs away before there's any activity. Um, while it's gone, they're doing a bunch of research onto like what this thing is, where it came from, all this stuff. And a U.S. senator's daughter, um, Kayoko Ann Patterson, so she's uh, Japanese, um, or well, of Japanese descent. 
she uh, she comes in and she offers to help them. And she says, hey, I've got some information. If, you know, you find this guy and this guy, his name is Goro Maki, turns out to be the owner of the boat from the very beginning scene. And he knew about Godzilla somehow. Um, and it ends up, you know, finding out that there's like some the U.S. government knew about it from dumping and testing and stuff. And it like mutated some sea creature and they've been covering it up because, you know, they just thought it'd be like some mutant. They never thought it would become like a hundred meters tall or whatever. Uh, and while they're like finding a lot of this out and they're trying to figure out like, you know, why he acted the way he did. And they realize that he operates by nuclear fission. And so he returned to the water to cool himself off. He comes back again, and this time he looks like your traditional Godzilla. Um, one guy turns to the camera and says, Godzilla has achieved his fourth form. Um, so Godzilla now goes on a bit of a rampage. The Japanese Self-Defense Force does attack him this time because they've evacuated all of Tokyo, or at least major parts of it. Um, while they're attacking him, it doesn't really seem to be working, so they get the U.S. government involved because there's a thing where... If they attack and they don't work, uh, the U.S. government can attack for them or something. So they bring in stealth bombers. They hit him with a couple bombs. It really just basically pisses him off, and that's where you get the fire breath scene. He basically torches Tokyo and then the jets, the the bombers, and then takes a nap. Um, he just freezes, like almost like he turns to stone in the middle of the movie. Uh, the next hour of the movie is is basically trying to figure out, like, uh, how to how to kind of stop him for good and, and get the action plan in place while the U.S. government wants to drop a nuke on him and uh, the Japanese government is like, well, that's that's not very fun because we don't like nukes, um, especially dropped on us. And so they're trying to figure out what they should do to stop him. They've come up with this blood coagulant idea and they're trying to produce it. And um, that's the broad strokes of the story. There's some subplots in there about this like Goro Maki guy and who he is and what he does and how he knows so much about Godzilla and it's like a US government cover up. Um there's another subplot about, you know, like just the ineptitude of the Japanese government and uh how hamstrung they are by their articles of disarmament and um, another subplot about uh, this Kyoko and Patterson kind of trying to leverage all of this to uh, back in the U.S. make herself look like a hero so that she can run for president because um, she's actually supposed to be a U.S. citizen. Although uh, if you're watching the movie, like it's obvious that this is a Japanese actress. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, that's uh, basically. I don't know if we want to just break into spoilers. I know Trev pleaded that he he just has so much energy pent up and there's just all this pent up trevness he's just gotta let out about this movie he wanted to go first so trev the, well, the yeah, floor also, is yours I mean, like i said i'm probably the more casual fan here so let me get my say before you get the real hardcore perspective but i'll keep this as brief as humanly possible um Back in January, Donald Trump said that he could shoot someone in the middle of New York and his supporters would still vote for him. Shin Godzilla is basically the Toho equivalent of that. I feel like this is their attempt to make a movie that's barely a movie and see how far they can push that but still have Godzilla fandom like drool all over it just because they're getting a few glimpses of their their favorite, you know, big lizard, right? Um in a moment, I know some of these other guys here are going to start talking about how oh, it's, you know, it's pretty good for a while and, you know, it gets it kind of starts to lose esteem. Uh, I'm here to tell you, no, uh, this thing, I'll, this thing had me for about five minutes in the first That's five true. minutes or so. Like, 
we th- there was actually some pretty interesting found footage stuff going on. I liked the scene on the boat. I liked the dash cam footage of the tunnel collapsing. And I was like, oh, you know, even though we've seen found footage kaiju before with Cloverfield, we've never seen it in a Godzilla movie. And so for a moment, I was like, oh, if this is what they're going for, this is actually kind of fresh. And then the meeting started. And it was just all downhill from there because from that point on in the movie is basically nothing but meetings. This is essentially, I think it's roughly 500 different characters of speaking roles having a series of meetings, usually talking about scheduling future meetings. Um, I'll tell you what this felt like. And Bird, you've been to G-Fest, so you can tell me if this is the kind of thing that might happen. This is just a theory, right? I could see a bunch of like hardcore Godzilla nerds, and I don't mean that despairingly. I mean, I'm, I'm a horror nerd. I'm a comic book nerd, so I mean that in the good term. But a bunch of Godzilla nerds saying, hey, let's rent out a conference room in the hotel and do a thing where we role play. What if we were like the government trying to figure out how to fight Godzilla? And we'll come up with every possible thing that could go wrong, and we'll just keep playing the scenario out. And I think it's like you took a camera into that conference room and filmed that for two hours, and that's basically <laughs> what this movie is. And I knew I was doomed in, like, the first ten or so minutes. And I know there's predictions on where I turned on it. I'll tell you exactly when I turned on this movie. is the scene where there's a bunch of characters having a meeting, and they say, oh, you know what? We should move this to another room and make it the official meeting. And we literally watched them all get up and walk down the hallway <laughs> to the other room. We watched that entire meeting. Then at the, at the end of that meeting, they say, let's go back to the other room and continue this meeting. <laughs> and we watched them do that. It's, it's, it was nonsense. And this is what led me to tell Bird that I thought this movie should be called Shin C-SPAN uh, or Shin Span. Uh, to be fair, every once in a great while, someone, I guess, nudged the editor and reminded him that, hey, you're supposed to cut some Godzilla footage into this. So if, uh, occasionally they do. And we cut to what is arguably, no, inarguably, the least interesting interpretation of Godzilla ever. Um, done in, like, this terrible CGI that looks like a homemade Godzilla fan film you'd watch on YouTube. Like, the kind of fan film where you'd be like, wow, that's pretty good for a fan film, you know? <laughs> but for an actual theatrical Toho release that's supposed to be, like, the big Japanese comeback, I thought it was just unforgivable. So, uh, yeah, I, well, I'll, I'll, I know we're going to get in specifics, but I'll say this is not a movie. This is some kind of bizarre sociological experiment to see how much you can test the patience of Godzilla fans. I just picture, like, Toho headquarters right now full of guys in white lab coats holding clipboards, looking at all this info to see how little actual story and character stuff fans will put up with just because it's a Godzilla movie. And judging by the reactions I've been seeing, it's it's bafflingly, uh, you know, apparently pretty far. That's how far we'll go. So, so good going, everyone. You've emboldened them now. They're just going to keep pushing it further. I, I'm betting the next Godzilla movie is just going to be three hours of, like, grass growing, intermittently spliced <laughs> with, like, still images of Godzilla. And everyone's going to be like, this is great. I love it. So that's I'm not, my take. In, in retrospect, guys, I'm going to say I, I'm not sure you should have let off with Trev's review first. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we just lost probably all of the uh, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. You know, I'm willing. I'm willing, you know, I know maybe I'll be the bad guy in this, but, you know, as World War II taught us, sometimes you, you have to fight the – you have to fight the cause, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> but yeah, let, let's back up the truck just a minute here. Let's pr- <laughs> there's, no, there's no going back after that. There's just no going back. <laughs> I do think we we should acknowledge that we're, we're not a, in, in, uh, intentionally alienating anybody because – we realize this movie is massively popular. We were just before this kind of talking about uh, the critic and fan positivity behind it, and kind of thinking it was a little, a little, a little crazy. 
Uh, well, I know, and I to be fair, and I think we all do. I mean, I do have theories on why people are enjoying it, and I'm not like I'm not here to say people are wrong for enjoying it. I'm yeah. just talking about like my reaction to it. And like Bird said, it's not coming from a place of me going in hating Godzilla because I've I've liked most of the other films in this series. This one just really rubbed me the wrong way. And when I'm attacking it, I'm attacking it because I wanted it to be good. And this just seems so disappointing to me that like the big Japanese comeback film was this boring to me. So, mm-hmm. but I'll you know that's I'm not trying to I'm not playing the bad guy just for effect. I apologize if people are upset by that but i mean yeah. boy this movie upset me more than you just got upset listening to me talk about it i, I promise you <laughs> yeah uh you know so we're tough. not we're not going after anyone this this the people are going crazy about this movie um so i mean if, if you're one of those people and you enjoy it more power to you but so there's trev's take uh i think some of us will have at least moderately more uh uh positive things to say i think um any volunteers <laughs> I'd like to hear from Eric. I feel like we haven't really heard from him yet. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing I'd like to say, I think, is I know at least on my part, I I speak in a lot of hyperbole. So, like, I'm being – a lot of my comments are laced with sarcasm. Like, it's this movie I don't think has literally given me cancer or anything like that. Like – uh, it's it's a bad movie, but it's not the end of the world. So, but for entertainment's sake, I'm probably going to play it up, and I have been on Facebook as well. So if uh, anyone talks to me there, yeah. Um, first things first, I think this movie should have came with a warning um, for Godzilla and anime fans only, because I, I took my wife and my dad to it, and. Five minutes in, I was I felt so awful for subjecting another human being to this. Um, my dad ended up liking it. My <laughs> wife had pretty much the same exact reaction to to Trev. Um, I like uh, maybe about an hour, hour and a half in, I just looked at her and I was like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> it was the only movie that I've ever checked my watch in. Um. So, several times uh it's if i had a list like it's top three sort of sins it's uh godzilla is not really godzilla we can go in more detail later uh, i think some of the national politics are pretty awful and despicable and just the meetings they're just freaking horrible i the the first half of the movie I was kind of on board with it um, a little bit, uh, but that second half after uh, this is a spoiler review, right? Yes, definitely. Okay, <laughs> after he gets frozen uh, the first time, or like when he takes his nap, he takes his nap because yeah, he doesn't get even frozen. It's not a it just he just stops. Um, I that whole second half is just painful, <laughs> so. That's my uh, that's my thoughts. It's kind of exhausting just to even talk about right now. To be uh, yeah, you, you sound like you're gonna pass out or something. We, you should take a breath. Uh, all right, I Jeez, am... man, try to be a, try to be a little nicer, man, about this movie. <laughs> I'm that was, going. That was, that was brutal. All right, I'm I'm gonna just because I feel like he might might have a little bit more uh, 
sunshine in his tone. I'm going to call on Tom next. Yeah. Um, I compared to the, compared to uh, these two, and I think Matt for sure. Um, I'm definitely going to have a little more sunshine in my tone. Um, <clears throat> I've now actually seen it twice. Um, and uh, I know Trev uh, disputes the first hour or so being good. Um, but I maintain that it's it's a, a good, not great setup for a Godzilla movie. Um, you know, yes, it's dry and, and maybe a little dull, but, you know, there's there's 30 movies in this franchise. How many of them fire on all cylinders for the first hour? Like, not half, you know? I mean, it's the, the number's not that high. Um, so... It, you know the first the first hour of this, um, it's it's I think relatively engaging. I think there's a, a decent amount of like uh, what what's going on. I think the satire is mostly humorous. Um, there's a couple of scenes that I think really work. Specifically, I'm thinking of like the the meeting of the biologists. Um, I think that's a great scene. Um, I think it probably works plays even better in Japan where, you know, like your professional status is certainly much more of a, a big like Japanese honorific type of thing. Um, but it, it largely works for the first hour for me. And I think the, the rampage, I guess, as I'll call it of the final or the, you know, the, the final form that we see in the movie Godzilla um, I think it's it's really well done. I think it's mostly got some great visuals, uh, especially when it gets to the nighttime. I think, uh, you know, the, the glowing red, uh, the way the power goes out, and then he's kind of silhouetted, and then when he breathes his fire, and the way he's silhouetted with the fire, I think it all works and sets up a decent Godzilla movie, if one that's kind of stupid, uh, a little bit slow, and doesn't have the best effects. So, you know, if you're taking the first hour of this thing, I'm at like a three or a three and a half, honestly. Um, and then we get to the second hour and every problem from the first hour is times 10. Um, you know, it, it, the dialogue makes no sense. Uh, Kyoko, who uh, she has a scene in the first half that like is really confusing um, she becomes more of a character in the second half. And like every time she's on the screen, even though there's a decent energy because the actress herself is, uh, she's like fairly bubbly and likable and, and not hard on the eyes at all. Um, every scene with her though, it makes no sense. Um, every scene with English spoken in it, it's like Hidekiano has no idea how, uh, English is spoken <laughs> at all um it's really really terrible the the second half uh just it's it starts repeating itself it gets it gets bogged down in like discussions of godzilla's biology it gets very boring uh when we should be looking at like the aftermath of a rampage of a creature through japan we get back to sterile clean meetings and uh pressed suits and you know everything that's wrong from the first half here ramped up to the, to the extreme and then the climax is really anticlimactic, very boring, very convenient, and it ends on a note that um, no other movie in the entire franchise has ever had the audacity to end on, 
Uh, Godzilla is more thoroughly defeated with less sacrifice than ever before in the history of the franchise. I think that absolutely robs some some of the message that you should be getting in a Godzilla movie. I think it's a complete bastardization of the character. The second half of this movie, honest to God, gets a zero to a zero and a half out of five for me. And my final is like a two. All right. Well, everyone else has gone so far, right? Except Did... for the two hosts. All right. Well, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll go last here. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, there will be an ebb and flow here. Uh, Matt, uh, you're up next, buddy. <laughs> um, one of our acquaintances on Facebook said that uh, Shin, that the part of Shin and Shin Godzilla can actually be translated as sleep. So this movie can literally be translated as Sleep Godzilla, which is pretty ironic because that, that's basically how I felt after watching the movie and also what Godzilla does to kind of ruin the movie. I'm, I'm with Tom 100% that when Godzilla takes his nap, that's when the movie really falls off the rails. Because like for the first hour, I was mildly entertained. I enjoyed Godzilla being on screen. I liked the destruction scene in Tokyo. Um but there, there's some definite issues, and, and here's one of them. Like, one of the characters asked, and this is actually how the movie's describing <laughs> itself. It actually asks, asks uh, another character, are there any uh, clues to its behavior? And the other person responds, it just walks. And that's exactly the problem with this movie. Literally, Godzilla just walks. Like, that's all he does. He's emotionless. He, he's lifeless. Um you know, for like a CGI monster, you'd figure they'd, they'd put something into it to give us more than what they could do with the suit. But this Godzilla gives us less than what they could have done with the suit. So why not just just stick with the suitmation? Like, I don't see the ne- the necessity to go CG because they gave us less with what they could have done with like a guy just literally standing there and pushing him down the street on like a cart. Like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> like they could have just given us like the destroyer scene with Godzilla Jr. where he's like rolling through the city and what's obviously wheels. <laughs> like it's just it's not. Uh, and Godzilla has the same look on his face the entire movie. Like he doesn't really do anything. He roars like six times the entire film, and it's just. I don't know. He seems dull, and instead of being like haunting and terrifying, he comes across as just being very silly and comical to me. And th- and that on top of the the idea that he's constantly evolving. Um, they talk about the idea that he could he could actually sprout wings at one point. Like to me, that's not Godzilla. And and that's what I actually hate about the film. I mean, I, I think Trev really summed up the the film's issues pretty well earlier, so I'm not going to go back to those. But like. The the film as it as, as a whole, plus the fact that I think they really ruin the essence of God, Godzilla's character, and then the ending. Like, I, I don't understand how the ending actually fixes anything because you have a giant monster that if he wakes up, they tell you at the end of the film that the nuclear countdown, which is what they're trying to avoid, and they have an hour left, is going to resume. So if Godzilla wakes up, literally Tokyo is going to get nuked in an hour anyway, and anybody that who moves back is dead. So what did they really fix by freezing Godzilla? They didn't fix anything. So, like, it's, it's just a – I've seen people talk about this being a very realistic approach to defeating Godzilla, and that's crap. Like, it's not. They didn't think anything out. Like, if Godzilla sitting in Tokyo, Tokyo's economy is gone because nobody's going to move back to a city with a giant freaking monster that could wake up any second. Except Bird. Like, yeah, I would. <laughs> well, <laughs> But I mean, and then you have like the whole tail creatures thing. Like, I don't know if that's Anno being Anno and he's just being surrealist. But you got like these Godzilla people coming out, and it's just like 
again, not Godzilla to me. Um, so as, as far as like rating it, I'm not sure if we're going that far. No, nah, like, we'll, we'll yes, save but, that till the end. Ugh. All right. Well, I'll, I'll pass the torch then, buddy. Okay. All right. So for me, um, well, I'll preface this a little bit because I think at least everyone on this call and any most people that know me personally know I my obsession with Godzilla is insane. I'm not a crazy collector like some of these guys who just buy every toy that comes out, but since I was a kid, I've just been fascinated by by the Godzilla movies and I've literally like spent so much of my life like trying to research every like scrap of information I could find on any Godzilla movie. Uh so uh, needless to say, um, point is I don't go into any Godzilla movie trying to dislike it or anything like that. Um, and I say that because as, um, one of us, I don't remember, maybe all of us pointed out in a, a message thread, you know, anytime that there's a fandom that is generally accepting of, of a new movie or whatever, right when someone comes in and tries to be negative, uh, or, or say they didn't enjoy it as much, they're instantly hit with that, well, you're just trying to be the the cynical blah, blah, blah guy. I am not that guy when it comes to Godzilla, and uh, <laughs> these guys can tell you if a Godzilla movie's bad, I'll find things to like in it. Um, and that will apply a little bit here, but... Um, also, I want to mention I am not only a Godzilla fan, but I'm a fan of the, the filmmakers behind this movie, Hideaki Anno. Um, I haven't seen all of his work, but um, I'm a big Evangelion fan. Uh, and his co-director, Shinji Higuchi, I haven't been much of a fan of his solo directorial effort, but he is, is uh, when given the right tools and the right methods, probably the best special effects artist in kaiju movies so and and i mean before this movie was announced if you said hey come up with a short list of japanese directors to make the next japanese godzilla movie there's no doubt in my mind these guys would have been on there so uh imagine my i guess disappointment when i see that although this movie does have some audacious and radical ideas it really is mostly just meetings and i know that ano is a good storyteller i know eva eva might not be everyone on this call's cup of tea but at least it does have some have characters that are fleshed out and have arcs and you know that's what i as a fan of that of a director that's what their skill in telling a story is what makes me excited to see any new film whether a godzilla or whatever so when i see this I see a movie that um, I see a film. I see these filmmakers who I know are talented, but they're so obsessed with getting out their political viewpoints that they they literally forget to tell a story and forget to have characters. and And I'm sure some of that is by design. You know, they they want you to go through all the motions and all the meetings and all the red tape that it would take Japan to combat a threat like this. I get that. But it doesn't make for strong cinema, and it makes for something very dull. Um, and especially in that second half, you could chop out a good 20 to 40 minutes of these meetings that they, they start to get redundant. And they they start to be, you know, just telling you things that you already knew. And 
you know, it's, it's I just, it, it to me, it was a wasted opportunity. Um, and then as far as, uh, what this movie's actually saying, um, you know, it, again, Anno and Higuchi have kind of a history of, of movies that lean a little bit to the right. Um, and this movie is super far right when really analyzed and put under a microscope in that basically the whole message is that this is about how the old school politicians need to go and the young patriots need to take charge and have free free reign and and do whatever they want and, and ratify a lot of articles of the constitution which is shinzo abe who's the prime minister over there now that's like his big thing. Um, and I understand that some of that is valid. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, we talked about how it is a little bit anti-American in places, but I understand why it had to have that message. But my, my point is it's really not the kind of message that it's, it's kind of the opposite of, of the more humanistic and pacifist themes that you see in most Godzilla movies. Um, and it's, it's really on a thematic level, doing something that i think is a little i i feel like if this is the kind if that's the kind of move message they wanted to make in a movie i i think it's inappropriate for godzilla and it's to the point now where god's shin godzilla the monster is showing up on recruitment ads for the japanese military like batman and superman did in the 40s with world war ii and i think that's just on a matter of principle wrong and everything that ashiro honda was warning us about in his early film. All politics aside, um, my feeling on how it's put together as a movie is, is, isn't too much different from any of the rest of you. I'm, I'm with Tom in that the first hour really did work for me. Um, and uh, so there's some things I liked that I just didn't think were executed as good as they could. I actually like the idea of the first time you see Godzilla, he he goes through different stages, like a, an amphibian. I think that's a really interesting, like, new take on, like, what Godzilla would be like, um, like, as a, I guess, younger creature. But, unfortunately, it's through really bad CG and really just a goofy design uh, that I know they're probably going for weird, but I don't think they were going for funny. Did anyone have a, a showing where the audience didn't laugh at that? No, I actually no. did. My, my my theater was pretty full. No, but nobody said anything the entire time until the end when they clapped, which I still oh. don't understand. See, my whole theater cracked up laughing at that. Yeah, our theater laughed at it too. Um, and then uh, again, if if the effects were better, I I, I and I I would you know, would like it a lot more. But I, I like that idea, and I do like the idea that he evolves to counter a threat, but I also agree with Matt that they take it a little too far and that, you know, instead of him just stop not evolving anymore is the final for, the final form that we see, they say that, you know, he could conceivably become anything. Um, I, I did like um, the kind of 311 uh, visual metaphors and stuff like that throughout the first half of the movie. Unfortunately, um, the movie does kind of throw all that out in the, in the back half. Um, a, a 311, which for those of you who like don't know, band? is the Fukushima league. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I think a Godzilla movie. You're talking about the alt rock. Alt rock band. No, the the alt rock <laughs> band is only is almost or 
it's it's uh, almost um, is as devastating. Is, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what I was getting at. But um, the I think that a whole Godzilla movie just dedicated to that would have been great. But it forgets all about that and it just uses it as a starting point. Um, and then uh, I actually really I'm with Tom again in that I like the nighttime uh, battle against the U.S. stealth bombers. I think it's staged very well. I I know what Trev's saying in that a Godzilla that literally stands there and just shoots lasers isn't all that appealing, but I think it's executed very well. And I like the the kind of the way he, different ways he glows in the night. Um, and I thought the scenes of like them discussing evacuating the city and stuff like that were realistic and well well handled. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I didn't like the 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 over overly um, uh, heavy handed focus on the politics. Um, you can make a, a movie that's strictly about, you know, political views in Japan right now without it just being meetings. You can have characters. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, from what I understand, it's just an aesthetic choice that is considered cool a lot in Japan from um, what some people I know who live in Japan have told me. But the text on the screen for anyone that talks is oh. tiring, especially for those of us who have to read subtitles. Uh, halfway through, I just... Stop paying attention to the top half, and then I, I can't believe you I, lasted halfway. I lasted I, like eight minutes. Yeah, I gave up so fast. I've never seen a movie with this much text on a screen, and I mean, I've seen Helvetica, that documentary about fonts. I mean, that's how much. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting too. Sorry to interrupt. Keep interrupting, Bird, but like uh, the Return of Godzilla, the 1984 movie, just got a Blu-ray release in the U.S. for the first time ever, and so for a lot of fans. Not, not. I don't think any of us, but for a lot of fans, it's the first time they're ever seeing a uh, an a version, uh, the Japanese version of that movie, and that has a lot of te- like that was a big complaint about from oh, it's nothing about that movie is like that had a lot of text on the screen and there was so much subtitles and I'm like that is nothing compared to this yeah well it's crazy because i asked bird walking out because i mean you guys you i mean like i said you know i've seen them all but you guys obviously know more about toho and and their you know their noted cheapness sometimes than i do but i said like i was like bird man come on they knew there was going to be like an american release of this you're telling me they couldn't have made a version where the japanese text wasn't composited on so i didn't at least have to read the american subtitles over it's, japanese it's, i do mention that because apparently um the the version that's playing in like china and the philippines it has the japanese subtitles removed oh well c- come on they couldn't have done that for us because it was like legit hard <laughs> on the eyes sometimes too, yeah. like, to try and read the subtitle over the the japanese text um, i think funimation just takes whatever toho gives them yeah yeah but no i mean i i don't have the seething hatred for it that that trev does um it's not my favorite Godzilla movie, but it is in the. Or it's not my least favorite either. It's in the bottom of the pack for me. Um, but there are things that I enjoyed. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that later. So, so now, so can I ask you a question real quick yes. about that? You said it like you understand why they did it, and I was talking to Matt a little bit about this yesterday. Um, do you think in order to make Japan? look strong which is to you know each their own there's nothing wrong with that that they have to make america 
look incompetent and borderline evil at times or <laughs> is that just a choice they made or is it like because that we kind of have that security treaty with them that we're going to de- defend them that the only way to kind of get around that in a movie is to make us look like we can't handle our stuff so uh honestly yes i th- i think that um especially with you know them really kind of pushing for less American involvement in, like, anything they do. I mean, they're really not happy with the military bases still being there. I think that I think that that's probably... That, to answer your question, yeah, I think, I think that was very deliberate, and I think that that's probably how a lot of people over there might feel. Um, but again, I just don't know if that kind of... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's something that they definitely lay on a little thick, um, and maybe a little too thick. Um, like I know, I, don't, I think Matt's the only one that actually watched it, have seen it besides me. But Higuchi's remake of Sinking of Japan, they kind of just talk about America being very passive and helping the Japanese, just kind of briefly. They just kind of like you know, yeah, America. They said no. And this movie, I think, I I think it does go a little extreme with that, but. I, I think that they felt like that's what I guess was the is the general sentiment of a lot of people, and I mean this movie's obviously striking a nerve with a lot of people over there. This this is the highest grossing Japanese or actually the highest grossing Godzilla movie in Japan, including both American movies since 1965. So I don't know. It, I, I would love to say to surpass that. Yeah, like it has a, it has a chance to be the highest grossing Godzilla film since Mothra versus Godzilla Oof. in 1960. And I mean, I would love to say yeah, it's because Godzilla's popular again. But I just feel like over there, especially, that it's striking a nerve that uh, is, I think, is sharing a lot of what the general consensus is can, politically. Can I ask something though? Because I'm I'm curious about something, and you guys got me feeling a little bad earlier saying I was maybe too hyperbolic. So maybe I'll try and make up for that by being a little <laughs> more critical here, but. Um, I actually honestly want to ask this because I, in the thread we were in now, I've seen you guys talk about this film has this like real anti-American bent. And, and I just want to admit that. And I even said, like, I would I wouldn't even care if I felt like that was the case. Like, I don't if a Godzilla movie has an anti-American bent, I don't. That's fine. That's their call. They can make that if they want. Yeah, it's a Japanese actually, movie. It's going to be. Right. Right. You know. I'm, but I actually have to admit, I didn't really get that from the film. And I'm kind of wondering where you guys see that as as, as much as it sounds like you do, because. It certainly is making the case that Japan, it, you know, it's like kind of a rah-rah, we can step forward and take care of our own problems. And I and I get that, but I don't think doing that necessarily is anti-American. Yeah. And I, and I don't think the film ever really presents America as super, like, mean or incompetent. It's, it, you know, America wants to drop a nuke on it, right? But for a very obvious reason, right? Yeah. And that's not like, there's no scene where they're like, oh, America said they're going to do it before we can even evacuate. You know, it's nothing like that. Like America tells them like, look, this is when we're going to do it. Get all your citizens out. Um, and then they, they agree to, you know, give them a little bit more time or whatever at the end to, you know, try their plan. Yeah. So I'm just wondering where you guys you know, are seeing this well, like big anti-American. Well, no, I, well, I agree. I think my only, my only thing that where, where, where it comes in and like, cause I think the only time I really mentioned anti-American necessarily is, it comes in in that America knew about Godzilla before he appeared and actually covered it up. Yeah. Okay, um, maybe I just missed that, I guess. Y- yeah, trust me, you did, because I missed it the first time, too. <laughs> All right, um, well, I... <laughs> and and yeah. so, so like, yeah, I agree with, like, with 
with you, Trev, in that like the the bulk of the message, though, especially like on the even like the you know Japan trying to get out of the security treaty, like you almost have to paint America like it doesn't it doesn't have Japan's best interests yeah. in mind because that's exactly. how they that's how they have to like that's how you have to get out of. Yeah. The security yeah. treaty because yeah. otherwise it's it's not like a bad like the security treaty is yeah. not a bad thing because right. this movie shows like this movie basically shows that if like we give Japan the opportunity to defend themselves against any threat and then if they fail we'll give them our best available equipment to try and protect them I mean yeah. the, the only weapon the only like conventional weapon in the entire movie that actually works against them is an American weapon um, so it, it, yeah I think it's more just the and it's it's buried actually because it's, it's really hard to pick up it's more just that America covered it up okay um, yeah. I, I will right. I, I want to hold on Eric I want to hear because I know he had a take on it I think, well, par- partially, I'm just straight up honest. Like, I think some of my opinion there is stemmed from. I don't see it that I saw it more the first time. Second time, I, I didn't see it as much. But I, I've read much more intelligent people than myself have that opinion. So I'm just like, maybe I don't see it. But maybe the more I hear it not being so present, that. So some of it is just kind of playing devil's advocate and saying I trust these people. These guys are are. I've been writing about the subject for a lot longer than sometimes I've even been alive for, mm-hmm. but um, I, I it, it kind of helped crystallize for me yesterday. I saw it again, and I was just like you guys were saying: the only way to actually have Japan kind of fight their own fight is to make it look like what is exactly what they did. So I don't really begrudge them that. Um, I think they could have been done a little more subtly maybe a little um a little better but this is the same company and the same franchise that had probably one of the most racist scenes ever in, in final wars the <laughs> new york city scene. so i i you know in con in that context this is this is very but I think well, you know what you don't. You most have to point to a character like Kyoko, or as them as them kind of giving an odd that you know she's presented as an American character, um, and certainly not an unlikable character. You well, know? yeah, but so. that's, that's not that's not true though because she's very pushy. Like in that one scene in the conference room, she literally walks into the one Japanese chick and like bumps her out of the way on purpose to get closer to Yaguchi. Like she she's actually painted as kind of being a very boisterous American. We're going to do whatever we want. And, and there's several lines in the film where they talk about like post-war extends forever. Like it, it, it is actually pretty heavy handed if you listen to what they say. Kayoko. Um, and uh, it, it is true that, that, you know, what Trev said, that she is generally a likable character. But I, I do see – well, I I didn't notice this. It's only because Matt watched this like four times for some reason. Um, I I didn't. I don't remember her pushing the other girl out of the way. I believe you yeah. though. Um, no, she she bumps. Uh, I don't know the girl's name, but it's the kind of it's like the homely it's looking. The, it's the girl Japanese. that like everyone in yeah. the. It's the girl that like everyone. Uh, who saw this movie like early is like obsessed with. Yeah, this the it's the the like nerdy. Like is she the one that like when when she character. smiles at the end? I, I was supposed to assume that that's like her character arc that she finally smiled. 
But no, that yeah, that character yes. that's always on the computer, like the really like uh-huh. uh, nerdy yeah. girl. Like it, it, for some reason, she like Japanese fans love her, and there's like she's all this, like, like a Barb on Stranger Things. Stranger yeah, there's all this fan art of like American her fans love her too. I heard, I heard, and I I won't name a name. But I heard a, a fan talking about it, and he was like, oh, she's, like, such a cool character. She's, like, you know, like, sick of being, like, the smartest person in the room and everything. And I was like, what? I didn't get that. <laughs> I didn't pick that up from her at all. Um, she's, but it, she's it, certainly it, smart. But hey guys, I, mean, I drifted away for a second for a work-related thing. Who Who's the smartest, sickest? There is no one with any character trait like that in the movie. <laughs> there, there is no character traits in the movie. Like... <laughs> I think Yaguchi and Kyoko have character traits. They're not they're not okay, really yeah. developed characters and they don't really have arcs. I would have loved to see Yaguchi have some kind of arc where he would have learned that like his uh his impropriety and his uh his lack of respect for authority was maybe a little too far, but at the same time, like, like even though he was right, he should have been more respectful about it or something. Like, to hit him to have some kind of an arc instead of just being like this cocky young guy who's always right all the time. Um, yeah, I actually one. But yeah, no one, no one else other than those two has like character traits. Well, um, well yeah. Oh. What I was um, gonna say about he actually had a line. Of... <laughs> go, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> Okay, thank you. He actually had a line of dialogue that I actually I liked um, quite a bit. And as a, I would I will say I'm a realist. So other people might call me a pessimist at times, but that line where he said uh, it's like an elevator or something is like undue optimism is, is something to the kin that like it's a really dangerous thing. Um, and I was like, yeah, man, that's right on, dude. Yeah, but yeah, it's when they're like gonna shoot Godzilla and they're like, oh well, it's over now. And he's like, uh, they haven't even fired. A yeah. single, a single bullet yet? Maybe uh, calm down. Yeah. Well, essentially, because yeah. I don't know if I like this or not, but I mean, the movie didn't go in like the very predictable direction I thought it would, right? And that when the when the prime minister is, you know, spoiler alert, is uh, killed kind of halfway through, I thought for sure Yaguchi was going to like become the new prime minister. Is that what anyone else is thinking? Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, was that's kind of what I was. Role. Yeah. And I actually thought that's kind of interesting, right? Like uh, that, I might have been kind of into, like this, like, this young guy who was the only one that was right at the beginning now gets thrust into this position. But thinking back on, I don't know if it would change the film really that much because he still ends up really still being the guy we follow and kind of comes up with the main, major plan, anyways. Yeah. Um, but then we wouldn't have got the new prime minister complaining about his soggy noodles. So, <laughs> well, um, what I was going to say about Kyoko, uh, Matt, you can confirm this, but at the end, she decides to stay. Does she decide to stay in Japan? I'm asking you because you've seen it like a hundred times. Yes, she says she says she's going to stay. She's not going back to America. She will not live to to witness a nuke dropped on Japan. So, so she'd rather so, see. That's kind of no, to answer Trev's. Tom is wrong. What? She specifically <laughs> says that. She says I'm no, not no, going no, back. Taking, no, no. She says she's not leaving because she's saying she's not leaving for the evacuation. Not that she's staying in Japan to live forever. You're no, 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 no. She said, no. but no, yeah, I agree. But she's that's that's not what I, I said. To, I had to Matt, memorize. Matt, dude, that's not what I said. I said she refuses to leave. She would rather be nuked than see the nuke. That's basically what she says. Yeah, but then she's saying she's going to become the president again, and she well, wants yeah, but that so she but she she winds up being a pretty like. I mean, how do you not like a character who's like, yeah, well, she's not, I have she's the. Not, 
I have the opportunity to leave and go back to America and have a great career in politics, but I'm going to stay here and get nuked instead. No, she's a likable character. What I was talking about was the she is pushy, candid. Yeah, she she's overly pushy, and that's the thing they make all of the for for the most part. There's there's I mean to be fair, they talk like there's one guy when they finally dropped the bomb on Godzilla, the um the stealth bombers, like they're cheering on the American attack and stuff. So like there, there's a couple things where they talk about how they say if if Godzilla were in New York, they would be nuking New York as well, basically. So like they they try to balance it a little bit. But that message of we need to get out from under America's thumb is still so ever-present that, like, it's kind of annoying. But that's not really my main issue with the film. Like, I do I'm like a- how that, that Senator Patterson guy, you only ever see his one hand like he's Dr. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. My point was to answer oh. Trump's question about how he said, like, oh, well, they give you a likable American character – where I was going with that uh, before you two went absolutely insane was <laughs> the fact that she sta- decide- makes that decision at the end is could be read and has been read as uh, saying, like, well, we had this character who uh, is more or less willing to give up such a prestigious American um, status. She- she's more or less been converted to the Japanese mindset. That's where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, and it's, there's yeah. tons of little things like that that kind of add up to, like, this ugly sort of feeling that, like, I, that's why I can't totally disqualify this this nationalistic sort of borderline sort of racist vibe that some some writers have written about and that I feel like it, it could or may, it could be in the, the movie, but I, I, I can't articulate exactly. It's just a vibe. It's a little... A bunch of little things that kind of add up to like this. Well, I, I think I think it's mostly it's it's there is that like you know Japan can't rely on anyone. We can do everything ourselves. Feel, but I think most of what, um, especially looking at like the actual prime minister in Japan, I think what he liked about this is that the old guard of politicians is proven wrong over and over, and it's the young, <sighs> more idealistic. Um, more patriotic characters uh, like Yaguchi and them that come together and work hard day in and day out and save everybody. That's where I think that's where that comes in because it's criticizing a regime while kind of saying like, Hey, these are the guys who should be in charge. These are the guys that can save us. These are the guys that can make decisions. Imagine if, like, in Godzilla 2014, like, Serizawa was, like, <laughs> like, he's just, like, you know what? Like, I can't go back to Japan. Like, they're so horrible. Like, Godzilla's from Japan. So, like, <laughs> so just, just imagine if, like, it got reversed and, like, he's, like, I can't. I don't know. Like, something like that. Like, it, they they would have. There wouldn't have been riots, but it would have been, like. <laughs> It would have been a really big deal, and especially like with with fans, it would have been you know crucified. But I, I, I just feel I, like I'm in that weird position of playing devil's advocate on this one because me, I, me too, no, go I, ahead. I, I want I no, want because, that because I mean, like I said, like I don't. So not only do I not get like the the, the anti American bent as much, but Bird, when I hear you say that, like, and I, I guess I somewhat agree that they're talking about like, oh, the old guard keeps being wrong, and like the young guard <laughs> is is getting it right. 
But at the same time, I don't think they ever present the old guard as being bumbling idiots. They're just, you know, yeah, they, they kind of they kill yeah, them off. Yeah, they off. do. That's, what, yeah. that's the whole point of the movie. They kill <laughs> they, them off. They, they do. Trev. They kill they... them off. But do you really think like the the the? I was talking to Bird about this after seeing the film. I don't think the original PM comes across as like a bad person. Not a bad no, person, yeah. but he comes yeah, across as uh, a total idiot. He comes across as very indecisive. And there's uh, there's actually a specific. It's a hard moment. thing to make decisions on when there's a well, giant monster. I know, in the city but and, like, there, they, there's a specific moment where they go. Okay, this thing is like attacking Japan. We need your authors. You need to make a decision on what to do because you know, like we have to do something. And he's like, "I gotta decide right now." And it's like, "Well, well, well yeah." <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on. I guess I'm just at a disadvantage because I've only watched the movie once, and you guys have all seen it like 15. Well, times. hang on, hang on, hang on. Twice. Hold yeah, on. Let's. I I think. Um, I. I, I know exactly what that is kind of – I can see where Trev's coming from because if you are if you are just going into this like not really thinking about what's going on in Japan or what's been going on in Japan the last few years, I, I can see exactly why he thinks that. But I, I know that it's not only visually but also with a lot of the dialogue and the reactions of the, the these old guard politicians, that is where the movie is directly – referencing the 311 issue and the fact that Japan like their their leaders just kind of sat on their asses and took forever to to do anything about it that the situation got worse because they didn't act fast enough so i think that's where you have the the prime minister like I don't want to make a decision right now. Like, can I think about it? And it's like, no, you you got to make a decision now or else it's going to get worse and that's exactly what happens. Um so I, yeah, I I think that's that. kind of what that is is going for. Um, but he's not. He, yeah, he's not seen as a bad yeah, person. Feel, but he's I seen as someone. I, you know. I guess like I'm a dumb American. I needed them to show him like reading like uh, the pet my pet goat for like 11 minutes while this is going on or something, right? So I'd get it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's 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 not seen as a bad person, but as someone who needs other people to make the, his decisions for him because he isn't acting fast enough he's he's literally telling everyone hey you're safe the 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 creature can't come on land as the creature is coming onto land <laughs> you know? actually you know what that might have been i i legit like that moment that was a great comedy moment yeah well, it, we, we've talked about how a lot of the movie yeah. is aiming for satire and is, is that is a good satirical moment <laughs> it is i, I will movie, give it that yeah i think the movie functions better when it's satire i feel like it abandons that like about halfway yeah, through I'm, it. I'm, I'm great we got to this because I'd like to hear everyone else's perspective. Because again, you guys watch far more Japanese movies than I do in general. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if that's true, but in this genre, right? But in terms of like the satire of it, I think I would have liked it a lot more if I felt like it was as satirical as I think it wants to be and as I think some people are reading it. And I really just think. I, how many of you have seen Brazil, the Gilliam film? It, you know those kind of montages of like bureaucracy where you got to go get a form stamped, but then you can't get it stamped until you get a certain other stamp. But they'll only give you that stamp if you have the original stamp. Yeah. And then I like know the Wachowskis did a version of that in uh, Jupiter Ascending. You know, and, and like I felt like that's what this movie is going for, but it was playing it out in real time, and that's mm-hmm. what makes it not. <laughs> yeah. No. Work as no. Well. He's. You're a hundred percent right. Um, and yeah. I mean, like. Well, you've watched a lot of, like, weird Japanese, like, comedies, too. Like, Japanese sense of yeah. humor is, like, very dry, kind of. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I this just thought first, this needs to be accelerated a little bit more for the satire right, to work. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. Like, I, I actually have, like, a short list of topics just to try and keep this from going off the rails. But we're actually kind of following them pretty well. Because 
Um, well, I have like the whole thing about the politics, but we're actually going to do a whole separate episode just about the politics of this movie because it's something that can be talked to about at length. Um, but one of the topics on here is satire. And I, I, Trev, I actually added that when you posted a thing in our thread about, um, you were like, great, now I'm going to have to go on a rant about what makes good, what, what's good satire versus bad satire. So, <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was talking about is that I just felt like, um, it, it was because it was going in real time. I wasn't getting that satirical sense. Like I get that they're saying this is what bureaucracy is like. This is what you'd have to go through to fight Godzilla. But it just when it plays out in in it's so slow. That's why the first hour even lost me. Right? Like I get what you guys mean about how the first hour is more engaging and it was a better setup. I acknowledge you're right, but I was still a little lost simply because. I was just watching like these full meetings, right? And it was just yeah. kind of like, come on, man, let's get this moving a little bit more. And well, let's they, make they, it a little, they, they do attempt that once. And Trev, this is actually the yeah. moment that yeah. uh, Tom that predicted that you were going to you... turn on it, where they sh- they have the meeting, and then in the middle of it, they cut to a, a, a screen oh, that that's... says abridged, and then it goes next to like. No, that's, you know what? That's the moment you guys thought I would turn on it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because actually I really liked that. And I'll tell you why, because this is another thing with the movie is I feel like the movie doesn't have the strength of its own convictions in that I think at times it feels like it wants to be like a documentary or it's clearly going for documentary. right? And that's why they're putting all the people's names up on screen. And that moment where it said like this moment, this meeting abridged for time. I actually liked that because I was like, oh, they're doing that documentary thing again. And I thought this movie might have worked really well if it was like a full you know, uh, found footage documentary, but they always, they abandon that left and right. And not for any, like district nine abandons the documentary format just in service of action scenes. But this will just kind of like show like people in a hallway talking. It's clearly not documentary. Yeah. Well, it could have been, you know, you still could have had yeah, it seem like, right. Oh, it someone followed them out with a camera. Forward. Yeah. yeah it absolutely. goes back and forth. So no, I, I actually, I actually liked that moment where it said this moment is abbreviated. As a matter of fact, the movie needed about 40 more of those. I think. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I think they could have got what they wanted to do here and then still kind of gone more of a traditional route. Um, like, have the slow build of just the bureaucratic shit and then kind of segue into more of a traditional Godzilla movie. Then it would have mm-hmm. probably been an all-timer, but the yep. fact that they stuck with it the whole time, and it's not going to be... It might be interesting as, like, a sort of art film type of thing, but, like, as an actual entertaining piece of film... It's, I mean, it's bureaucracy's got a sort of a bad um, reputation for a reason and a dry reputation. It's because it's horrible and no one wants to go through it. No one wants to talk about like it's yeah. it's just dry and totally yeah. Um, yeah. I well yeah, and I I think another part about why the first half, at least for me, works. Is sure they're they're they I again I I like that the first half is more or less going to the the Fukushima metaphor. And they not only do they abandon that, but the po- the political talk is interesting. Even if you think like, okay, maybe they're out of bounds here from an American point of view. But the, like most of the second half of this movie is like just them. Instead of talking about like international affairs, I mean they do for sure. I mean they, they you see them making backdoor deals with France and Germany, and they t- they t- talk about you know the U.S nuking them and how they are trying to figure out an alternative before the bomb can drop. Sure. But so much of the actual screen time of that is dedicated to like them, like putting together these clues, um, about like the, the science of the monster. And at that point, that's where, that's where it loses me. I hated that. 
I hate because it. like it, it's it's not as interesting and and it's not having anything to say like the rest of well, the movie is. It's, that's one it's, of my three ways. That's one of my three ways that uh, I very unfavorably compare this movie to the '98 film. Um, you know, people are gonna like. I already probably lost people with that because people hear <laughs> this isn't the '98 film. This is Godzilla. But here's here's my problem: is I've personally have never hated the 98 film because it's not Godzilla. I've hated it because it's a shit movie, right? And one of the ways that I think it's a shit movie and one of the ways it doesn't work and and this actually also somewhat applies to like Peter Jackson's 05 Kong uh, not as much because they don't explain him as much, but they explain, they over explain about the creature and its biology and the how. And when you start doing that and you and you really start pulling apart the how and the what and the why and the when and all of that, you you pull the mystique away from the character. And and you take it from a character and from this this uh this allegory or this metaphor or in other movies this superhero whatever whatever he's standing in for at at the time and and you turn him into just an animal. And when you turn him into just an animal, it becomes a less interesting um because he's now just an animal. He's he's you know, he's like a poor pathetic little animal that like it's not his fault or anything. And B any anything that he does in any time that he acts outside of uh what an animal would do, you know, specifically in this movie the one uh the one that I could think of when the guy goes, "Ah, so he must have a phased radar array just like I suspected." And you're like, "Fuck you." But like any time that he acts like not an animal and they don't explain it, you think like it becomes a fault in the writing and it becomes an, a black eye to the writer well, it, Hidekiano it, it, in this case and it becomes like this well they couldn't think of a good way to make this so, seem scientific and realistic so they just threw it at me and told me to go fuck myself and i huh. don't like that that's that's one of my three ways that that i have two others that i compare this I, to the 98 film can i say it real quick i agree and i disagree like I hate the demystification de- of Godzilla. Like I think, uh, as much as I love the '91 uh, versus King Ghidorah film, like the dinosaur scene, it's entertaining how bad it is, but it's also just garbage because it's kind of. I just I, I don't I've never liked that origin, um, nor do I like this origin. I like this origin even less when he's like a giant eel monster. Um, but I thought the science stuff on its own was cool. Like if if you stripped away and didn't do the origin, if you were able to just like have like like a, a sort of like a just a brief presentation where they figured it all out already, you didn't have to go through the process of discovering it with them. And they're just like, look, this guy needs to cool off. the The dorsal fins kind of help cool him down. He has constantly he's a nuclear fission reactor, and he's basically using air as a fuel and like all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like. It makes it kind of explains how his biology works, but if he would have just done that and said like, but he's always existed or something, like basically, if he would have done the science they did here with the origin and the 2014 film, I would have been more on board. Yeah, I, see, and I just, I personally still like, I don't like it. You know, I think it's just, it's too, it explains too much. I think it's just better when he's just a monster. 
Um, I can't and, like, and, it's, oh. and that's something that the, ni- the 2014 film did so elegantly. Is it, it just sidestepped all of those issues by just being like, uh, he's fucking old and has existed forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I'd like to hear Matt's take on this because first of all, I feel like I haven't heard Matt a lot on this, but also because I know he, he died. Matt... <laughs> I'm watching Shin Godzilla and it killed me. I don't really <laughs> well, Matt has like Matt I know has like very particular like ways that he looks at like or very particular opinions on Godzilla himself in this, and I, I guess I would like before he could talk, so I'd just say like. Again, it's like I guess a more casual fan. I I kind of can see the the temptation when you're this far into the franchise to be like, hey, let's try something different and let's just present him as just an animal, right? And get very scientific with him. So that actually doesn't bother me. I think like what Eric said. I think it bothers me how slow it's kind of doled out. But Matt, like, what's your like take on Godzilla like itself in this, right? The whole issue in this movie isn't so much that his mystique is lost. It's the fact that when they do it, it takes 50 minutes. Yeah. And like that (laughs) – when when it takes that long, like after he falls asleep the first time, you want to fall asleep immediately following it. Like that's that's the issue. It's it's so dull and boring. Um, The science behind it is inconsequential because like at that point, the satire has died. And the prime minister, who's actually my favorite character in the movie, because he's like the one person that you kind of feel for. Like he's this big goofball that everybody's walking over. He's gone and gets killed. And like they have like a moment of reflection and they kind of move on from everybody. Like you never like feel the loss of anybody in this film. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to bring up I think Trev's favorite part of the movie where Yaguchi freaks out. There's <laughs> <laughs> that great scene where they come in and tell Yaguchi, like, they very calmly come in and say, like, the prime minister has died. And Yaguchi just, like, he's like, everybody needs to calm down. And it's like, whoa, buddy. What you... <laughs> Nobody was freaking out. And then the guy hands him a bottle of water. He's like, chill, great man. <laughs> it's Aquafina, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, it's uh, it's this whole thing where, like, with with – when they're focusing so much on the biology of Godzilla and they give you all this, you know, he's a mixture more for whatever the crap that is. And apparently he can use elements and convert that to heat. And, and like they his cells can grow stuff. into like they say that, like his he, his method of reproducing is like he's, he's like asexual in the sense that almost like War of the Gargantuas where like his like flesh will like evolve into another Godzilla and like. I don't know. There's that whole thing. And then at one point they say, well, so you're telling me like based on like what he goes through, he could go, he could get smaller or he could even sprout wings and fly away. <laughs> what? And, that, and that's like the whole thing with this is like when you, when you make Godzilla something that he's not, that's my problem. And like, it, it's one thing like in, in Godzilla also gives off a laser light show. Like I felt like I'm at a disco ball or something like that. Like Godzilla exactly. shooting lasers out of his back. At the end of the film, there, there's a scene where Yaguchi's watching from the stage, and literally what you see is this yeah, is the yes. guy, and you literally see like lightsabers going across the, the screen, and it's like the worst thing ever. And I don't I don't understand why people like that or why they think that that's cool. Like I, I mean that moment and, just just to interrupt that moment only pissed me off. Like it, it like it wasn't like the worst thing, but like the reason it bugged me is because there's all these like laser beams going over everyone's head, and nobody is paying attention to them at all. <laughs> they're just like, oh, it's all right. It's, none of them are going to hit us. I'm like, wait a second. The, the thing about Godzilla and one of the things I've always loved about the character is I loved his his atomic beam. But in his atomic beam is basically laid waste 
in favor of these stupid backs, you know, these like back beams or whatever they are that are, in my opinion, they're, they're far less majestic. And then he like his penis tail, for lack of a better term, like apparently grows a mouth and also starts shooting off beams. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where they made so many changes to Godzilla. They made as many changes to Godzilla in this one film as he's experienced over the entirety of the Japanese, like 60 years of Godzilla history. And, and, and that to me is my biggest issue with this movie is that it, it really is a bastardization of the character, in my opinion. Like, okay. but do you think, yeah, do you think like at Godzilla. all, do you think at all that's like an attempt at a rec, like a kind of a reclamation of this character for them? Because there's the American one now that was, you know, I know people have had issues with how he looks, but essentially it's, America just took Godzilla, right? And made this big movie and got it closer to what Godzilla was than at 98 one. So do you think Japan felt an, uh, an onus to be like, well, now we have to make our own version of it again, you know? I mean, Bert, people, Bert say, and I people have say that. This, like, and... people say that. I mean, Higuchi came out and said something like, they're not going to lose to Hollywood. I'm not sure what he meant by that. Like, That wasn't Higuchi. So... That was a Toho guy. Uh, yeah, that was a, what, that was a Toho Higuchi Sorry, actually but... called the 2014 movie a masterpiece, which I, let's slow down a little bit there. But, um, <laughs> um, well, I, I, Bert, Bert and I have talked about this, though, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if, if uh, and Bert and I both wonder, if Toho has actually got their head screwed on straight for once, and if they're like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do our thing, and we're gonna be over here doing our thing with with our guy, and we're gonna let auteurs do whatever they want to do with the character because mm-hmm. these movies are not gonna have broad international appeal. They're not gonna be you know blockbuster like box office. Uh, you know, juggernauts, like certainly not to the extent that, that the 2014 film was. And that wasn't even, you know, like a, like a huge juggernaut, but I mean, it made a half a billion dollars. Like this movie is going to make a hundred million, you know, like that, that's, 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 uh, that's quite the wide margin of, of, of box office take. And we're not going to have the budget to, to do a, uh, a faithful, big budget adaptation of what people know Godzilla is. So let's, yeah. let's let our authors go crazy and we'll let, we will not let, we will kind of rein in the American series and tell them, you know, you have to pass your decisions through us and you have to get it approved from us. And we want it to be a more traditional take on the character. And that would well, actually really I, smart. I, I, I think there's something to be said, too, right, for when you're this far into a franchise, actually being willing to take those kind of risks and say, hey, I'm going to walk into this movie. And I, and I get where Matt's coming from of being like a traditionalist and wanting Godzilla to kind of be Godzilla. But it's kind of cool to walk in and not know what you're going to see from the creature. Right. Yeah. Well, so like I didn't know that he was going to shoot laser beams out of his spines. And I didn't know. He, I mean, I did know this because we'd seen it before. But I mean, in the film, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. expect that in the build up to it. And that is kind of cool. I think the bigger issue is, and I'll even ask Matt, would you have been more willing to accept the the penis tail and the the ta- and the spine lasers if he just had a personality? I think that's the problem, really. It's not the new powers. Yeah, and, and that, that was going to be so my next boring. point, actually. Yeah, my, my next point is, like, I would have been more willing to accept those things if this Godzilla wasn't, like, literally, like, as had the personality of paint drying. Like, he, right. he stands there. He, when he's walking through the city, he's gliding on air. Like, it's just... 
there's there's no life there. And somebody somebody on Facebook was trying to say, well, he's just like the fifty four Godzilla. He was pretty, you know, he had no personality. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like that Godzilla, he reacts to things. People take his picture on this in the scene where he attacks a tower, and he first he roars at him, and he looks kind of confused, and then he actually lashes out and he like rips the tower down. You know, he rip he lashes out and takes down high tension wires. Like the first Godzilla, he's scary because he actually has personality. The difference is. They're both slow and lumbering creatures, but the original Godzilla actually like looks at things and he stomps on things and he actually picks up a train in his mouth. This Godzilla can't pick anything up. He can't even bend over. Like yeah. there's no, he can't do <laughs> I, anything. I, I think like my least favorite is when the um, the helicopters are lined up to attack him. Uh, you know the part they have to call it off. But when they're doing that, he's just standing there, kind of like staring off into the distance. And I don't even I don't even get a sense of if he's if he's looking at them. Right. It's just like so like what's happening? Is he falling asleep? And then but then he did fall asleep like a half an hour later. <laughs> um, well, to, to kind of get back to Tom's point, I think that would be actually smart and ex- i mean say what you want about this movie it it but its success and also the audacity of it did kind of give the franchise a shot in the arm and i mean we already know that legendary they're planning to do godzilla and kong and they have the rights to use rodan mothra and king Ghidorah. so i say let uh hollywood like let them do like a big budget modernized remakes of the classics and let and let japan yeah g- give it to different people and say like hey yeah, like go what, nuts um the fact honestly, that i don't the fact that the movie was wasn't that good is one thing, but the fact that Toho were able were willing to let a, an auteur filmmaker go this far is pretty interesting because Toho have famously been so, especially with the Millennium series, so insistent on you. If you're going to do something, it has to be uh, formula A, B, C. Um, I mean, they they were telling directors who wanted to use other monsters, no, you have to, if you're going to bring in other monsters, it's got to be Mothra or King Ghidorah or Mechagodzilla. That's what that those are the popular monsters. That's what you have to go with. And the fact that now Toho is under under you know new uh, producers and everything that um, if if this is like if they are willing to let someone do something this out there. I think that's exciting. I mean, if I want more traditional stuff, I'm sure that's what the Hollywood stuff wants to deliver. But if they just... I wouldn't want to see this version of Godzilla again, but the fact that they... Toho's famously like a stick in the mud when it comes to letting directors be creative. Let someone get this wild. Honestly, I don't think um, I don't think America, I don't think Hollywood would be willing to take those kind of risks with the character. No, well, you know, they, if, they, well they were in 1998, and look what happened. But but no, but see, I don't think that was taking a risk. I think that was completely a misunderstanding, and that's different. Yeah, right. I think I, I would think you guys would agree. They Roland, just didn't. Roland Emmerich. I mean, I don't want to get too far into it, but he he basically looked at like the Bible of you know like rules that they gave him, and I, I think he literally was like, uh, "How can I do this but do it as a fuck you?" I always felt like America misunderstood the character. But this isn't a misunderstanding of the character. This is purposely trying to reinvent it, and that's that's different, and that's more daring. Hollywood, we can't even make a, a new Star Wars movie without still putting a Death Star in it. You know, it's like we're not <laughs> we're not willing to take these big risks that we we saw in this film. So I, I, I didn't like the movie, obviously, but I'll give it some credit for that. Mm-hmm. I do want to circle back to Matt to something Matt said and his initial thoughts and how the ending is not an ending and how they 
kind of don't really achieve victory. And I'm going to take well, the hang exact on. opposite stance. I, I want to get into the whole topic of the ending in just a um, minute. But I want to ask Matt one question regarding his previous point. Matt. Your it seemed like you had a brief moment of I don't want to say like enlightenment, but like uh, you came to a conclusion when you saw a particular Facebook post that said theoretically speaking, if this Godzilla was never stopped, he would have morphed into something so radically different that it wouldn't be Godzilla anymore. Now, if this movie took away the the whole like and it's really throwaway dialogue that we're basing this off of, took away that part where where um, the scientist says like so he could. Sp- shrink or sprout wings or blah 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 and they did say like in godzilla they do say maybe like oh he appears to have stopped evolving and this is the final form would that make the changes to the to godzilla more um easy for you to swallow yes and no because like you have the people coming out of the tail at the end but i think trev hit the, the nail on the head the bigger the bigger issue as a whole is the fact that this Godzilla is literally the most boring incarnation of the character ever. Like, he, he, he the only thing that moves is his tail. And, like, he's so... The design is such that he literally, when he walks... I'm convinced that they couldn't make him look good when he walks. So they can only shoot him from certain angles. So, like, they only shoot him from really far away. That's why he couldn't walk. That's why they couldn't shoot him really moving. That's why anytime he's moving, he's surrounded by smoke and fire and stuff. So... I think the design of this Godzilla really hindered them from being able to allow him to do anything. But then also on top of that, like his face is just so expressionless. And like the one thing that you always loved about suit acting is like Nakajima pride, like he had pride in what he did. Like you look forward to how he was going to try to to ramp up the monster action and, and the things that he did with the Godzilla suit. And to me, this is like the opposite of that. You're taking everything that Godzilla and really just kaiju films in general has done for for decades and like you're just you're doing the exact opposite that's it, it, it feels almost like not a purposeful but like a slap in the face kind it's of. funny matt because because you you said uh that you felt like the legendary godzilla emoted too much it's almost like someone like listened to you say that and was like <laughs> oh i know what he wants <laughs> <laughs> well i mean this is all your fault i know i and blame eric. myself and eric i blame myself hey I mean, eric like, what's Eric, is Eric alive? Did he die? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, Eric, he fell, you, he fell asleep prefer, and uh, he, he, he was recharging. Do you, you prefer this this emotionless Godzilla or I feel you, bro? Uh, <laughs> I feel you, bro, Godzilla. I actually prefer this to the I feel you, bro. Um, but <laughs> well, the, the, scene, the I feel you... The... I feel you, bro. Is just a single moment, and otherwise, we're, good we're talking film. about the part where Godzilla uh, and Ford look at each other in the 2014 movie, which I know Trev is also a very, uh, very against. Yeah. They yeah. shed that, tears. They do fist bumps. It's all yeah. great. That one moment versus the whole Shin Godzilla thing. Yeah, I take Shin Godzilla, but my uh, Matt and I were talking yesterday about um, this is kind of like the. I don't know, man. Like the just like the weakest. Like he's very, very powerful, Godzilla. But he's just like I disagree. I think he's pretty weak. No, no. no. Well, I think his his beam attacks and all that shit are pretty spectacular. But he's just like, but no, it's like the most pathetic Godzilla ever. Like, well, this Godzilla falls he, asleep after he like yeah. he has to recharge after he uses his beam. 
and he gets his he gets his ass like handed to him like the entire movie. Like he he rarely kind of lashes out, and when he does, it's it's not like even when like that scene when in, in the city at night when he first fires his ray, it's not like he's snarling and just like he kind of just like he's bleeding, and then he kind of just like slowly opens his mouth, and it's not like. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's a way to do it and kind of rev up some um, some tension. Like, oh shit, here it comes. Kind of like in G14 when you see like the the tail kind of lighting up and you follow it back and you're like, oh, it's on. But it just kind of like slowly opens his mouth and then he just barfs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I I like the breath effect though. I'll be honest. It's it's cool, yeah. But and it sold me more. In the in the film than it did like a, going into it seeing the you know, stuff in the trailers but I don't know that was my biggest thing about this Godzilla like well no the they, look, I mean they I, play that song while he's doing his breath that yeah it's that's mopey shit that that's mopey too yeah. like well apparently if you, if you cut himself during apparently the, you know. <laughs> Matt hasn't stopped me he's like no <laughs> supposedly if you actually read the lyrics to that they're like that song. Is actually from Godzilla's point of view. Oh man, I need to hear this. And no, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I'm, I, I'm I don't. Just, yeah, I don't know if that's true. But that's what like fans online are claiming. I and think, like, I think that's BS. If you it, read the lyrics to it, they're like, "If I died, who would even know or care? I'm the only one ever. I'm sad." And that just makes total sense. Um, that, that's how Eric and I felt after watching the movie the second yeah, time. Yeah, but yeah, but I I do like the breath effect itself. I yeah, say I I I mean like just like I don't know I I didn't even mind the execution of like the lasers and stuff. And I Me mean they're, they're just doing that to you know I mean things like that. That's just kind of like what Trev was saying. Like that's their way to like try and keep it a little more fresh. Um, now, Tom, let's get back to the question that you asked five minutes – you were starting to ask five <laughs> minutes ago because the next topic I want to bring up is the climax of the movie, which in my well, opinion is probably the is worst climax in any awful. Godzilla movie. So you were, you were asking Matt a question. When I, when I watched the climax again the second time, like you guys were like, oh, he – you know, his mouth is open. And like I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, I was like yeah, his mouth is open, but like his mouth literally can't close, you know, because he's got no <laughs> lips. But like – when you watch the climax and you actually pay attention, he opens his mouth. I know. He opens <laughs> like, his mouth. Well, uh, well, what, what, but, uh, but so the, so, so it kind of, it goes like a, a twofold thing. And these are actually, both of these are also comparisons to the 98 film. Um, the first one, and this is just a, a real quick thing. I think it, it robs the character himself of his threat or his tension by discovering his weakness too early in the movie. And then everything from there is just a thrust towards a plan that will work and not something that you're, you don't know yes or no type of thing. Um, and, and that's like, that's, that's shared in common with the 98 film. And now the, you know, the difference being in the 98 film, it's just, we gotta be able to shoot him. Um, Whereas in this film, it's we got to be able to knock him down and uh, pump our creamy goo into his mouth. Um, but they, they discover it so early and they're so confident that it'll work that it's like it really robs a lot of the tension. Well, OK. Um, but but the the main issue I have is that I think this is a resounding, absolutely resounding victory for Japan, 
and the self-defense force over Godzilla like none we've ever, ever seen before. This is a fate worse than death for him. He is going to be frozen forever or, well, if they do a sequel until a sequel. And they're studying him. And they're going to be studying him forever. And uh, Yaguchi himself says that he is a treasure trove of information. And we see throughout the movie that they have figured certain things out about him already. Like, they figured out that he can convert nuclear materials. So what? now they've got just a giant statue in their city that, like, they could throw nuclear waste into and it'll convert it and, like, it won't be nuclear waste anymore. Or, well, actually, it will be nuclear waste, but it'll only take 20 days for the half-life, so it'll only last like two or three years or whatever. Like, this is an absolute resounding victory to the extent that Godzilla's appearance in this movie causes all of the characters that we see. Now, I'm not going to say it causes nobody pain um, because obviously people get trampled and killed. Like, they have to. Like, I mean, no matter how much you evacuate. Um, uh, it's the same thing with the 98 film. Like, no matter how evacuated it is, there's still people that get, like, hurt. But... All of the characters that we actually see in this movie are their their lives are better for Godzilla yeah. having appeared. Hey, somebody said and, earlier that like the, like the idea of how there's like no losses felt in this, right? And that's exactly yeah. hitting on like there's moments in this too where I thought like there's that there's another found footage kind of scene where we see people in the tunnel after like the collapse and like things start to go bad. And I just wanted to like get us more of a sense of the street level people by just concentrating on all these politicians in these boardrooms. We never feel like the destruction the way we should. Like, yeah, these these people are going to have better careers. Uh, Yaguchi's going to go on to be the prime minister. Kyoko's going to go on to be the president. Like, <laughs> they come out they come out looking like absolute heroes. Um, they've got a treasure trove of information at their disposal at all times because. This Godzilla is frozen. He's not killed. He's not disintegrated. He's not driven away. He is frozen for them to study and poke and prod forever. I feel bad for him. Like you guys have said before, he's, he's like a pathetic creature. And and this ending is is it's absolutely heartbreaking for him because he's he is not killed this is a fate worse than death he's going to be frozen for the because they specifically say it won't kill him his reactor needs to like go into like a a backup kind of shutdown mode in order to survive so he's basically just frozen like that trying to survive for like, however long they want to keep shooting their creamy goo into his mouth and I it's, hope the next one starts and they've like hollowed him out and made him into an office building <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I, I, first off, I didn't see it like that at all, and that's uber depressing. Um, <laughs> I was commenting to Matt yesterday, like, I thought the nuke might have been the better way to go, just because, I mean, if the American bombs were able to damage them that much, I think it's pretty safe to say that in this universe, a nuke would probably kill this Godzilla. Um, so you would have been able to kill Godzilla, and... They destroy a bunch of the fucking city in the process of, of taking him down, and they irradiate it too. I think the only reason it, it they kind of they, they have that cop out where it's like, oh, it's only irradiated for you know two or three years now. Um, if it wasn't for that, then their plan pretty much would have done almost as much damage as the nuke. 
Um, and now they have the constant specter of Godzilla in the distance who could wake up at any time. So you're not going to be able to – like no one's going to want to set up their shop next to Godzilla if he could wake up at any time. So, Well, that's what um, kind of confused me because, Eric, you said the thing about how the ending didn't feel realistic to you. And I agree in that. I, I Wouldn't it be more like they're just like, oh, well, we're just going to leave him frozen here forever. But in a realistic world – and I guess Jelly just said how they, they want to study him and stuff, but wouldn't there be some kind of attempt to, now that he's frozen, just kind of break him down, right? Like, oh, yeah. take him apart and get him out of there, rather than just leave him standing there? I mean, but it seems like to the natural next step. It seems like they, they don't have the ability to do that. Like, I don't know, I think they could, but that's, that, that's really sick, then. Like, you're literally <laughs> freezing him while he's still alive, dismembering him. That's, like, that's... <laughs> that's even worse. This is the worst thing for a movie ever. Yeah, All right. That's what so, I said. Okay. Pretty much so, no matter what happens, it's the most shitty ending ever in a Godzilla movie. All right. Well, and that's not even addressing the actual like storytelling flaws of this climax. Well, hold oh on. My God. Which hey, wait, I know the Bird climax is my favorite. The climax is my favorite character, which is uh, Special Crane Unit Platoon Leader <laughs> One. Who was a, he's a great man. All right. We never see him, but he he gave his life for that operation. And uh, um, I just want to give him a big ups. So, uh, my whole thing is, this is, part of the reason why this climax doesn't work for me is that this is the easiest, next to the 98 movie, or on par, that Godzilla's ever been taken out. Like, so first of all, yeah, they, they have to drop buildings on him, knock him down, and then he lays there with, and opens his mouth so they can put that coagulant in to freeze him. <laughs> So, first of all, Godzilla's weakness is it's the same as the blob, you know, they just have to freeze him, which, <laughs> now, I've, I've seen people say, like, oh, it's just like uh, the end of 54 with the Oxygen Destroyer, and tell me if I'm off base here, but it's not, because the Oxygen Destroyer was a very specific weapon that could only be made once, and the creator sacrificed himself, because the Oxygen Destroyer is a metaphor for WMDs, and... Sarazawa saw that, and he knew that if if he even and it if, has collateral damage. Well, even if he stayed alive, <laughs> he knew that it could be weaponized as long as anyone could get to him. You know, he could be kidnapped and forced to reveal it. So he said, "You know what? I'm taking this weapon of mass destruction with me, and no one's ever going to be able to find it again." That's but different from a bunch of scientists pooling together and making an origami like cell and figuring out how to make a coagulant that can just be reproduced like in 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 factories in in two weeks by the way which is not really yeah and 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 the fact that godzilla just lays there like an idiot and allows this to happen again like how how is this like yeah but we did get that we did get that we got that rocking making coagulant music (laughs) yeah the electric guitar music Everyone laughed at that in my theater, and I, dun, honest to God, dun, thought dun, a dun, thought a song dun. by like Poison or Rat was about to start. It was, it was the, uh, the Evangelion theme, but just with electric guitars. Yeah, it was the best thing ever. Um, but the Platoon Two, when they're pumping them full of creamy goo or whatever, uh, Tom it's said, creamy like, goo gone too far. I can't. It really has. The first time was too much, <laughs> but um, like. I felt like so I, I did feel like the only emotions I felt towards this Godzilla in the entire film was just pity and how just pathetic he, like he's kinda like twitching a little bit as oh, as they're doing it. And it's just like it's so depressing and it's like you sh- you should be like feeling 
because in the original film, and it's kind of unfair to compare it to the original film, but there's a it does this wonderful thing where you're on one hand sorry for the monster, and the other hand you're kind of cheering the humans on. Um, this has none of that. Like the, the the people are rat bastards, and I don't care about this Godzilla, but I'm kind of feeling sorry for it. It's just a bunch of negative. It's like a vortex of negative emotions. Well, you know what a a good compare contrast is, and it because it, it's it's this same kind of idea only executed uh, ten thousand times better is the anti nuclear energy bacteria of Godzilla versus Biollante. Mm-hmm. Everyone keeps coming back to the fifty four. I think this is nothing like that. Well, um, and, and you know what? You look at the, the like and it's funny because that formula was basically there for them to look at and be like oh god that's like such a good idea like you have this coagulant you have this anti-nuclear energy bacteria administer it administer it while he's taking his nap and then he wakes up and you're like oh shit that should have worked why didn't it work and then you find out something else about his biology or whatever you're like oh it's it this is affecting it so now we have to come up with a way to overcome that to make this coagulant work and hope that, but like instead they discover it all like well before then. And, and then that that's the end. Like well, what, part of what bothers me about like just any of this really is that, uh, especially going back to the politics and it, it is being a little bit more right wing is this movie prides itself on revering the Honda's movie uh, to the the reusing music, reusing the same like title card at the beginning, the same footsteps, and it's like don't make this movie that you're passing off as a, a total tribute to a movie that took deliberate steps to be apolitical and preach human humanistic pacifist themes, and make this. Like that, that sounds that it's like, this is like the reverse 54 in a lot of ways. And like for them to like have the, him go out that way for them to put in all this political stuff. And it just seems like wrong of them to at least be pretending to be revering the original so much. I'm not even saying like that as an idea. Sure. This is a 31 movies in do whatever you want, but don't do this movie and pretend that you're, you're like being a hundred percent faithful to the original. Cause you're not. You're right. They do kind of invite the comparisons by doing all these callbacks. Like if you're going to do your own, if you're going to do your own thing, do your own thing. But they, you're right. It is kind of fair to to judge them because they they kind of do it to themselves. And it's what's funny too is is you know the, the original and we keep coming back to it, but like there's there's other films in the franchise that I think this ending flies right in the face of, and you know one of them one of them very obviously just I guess maybe I'm the only person who's interpreting the ending the way I am of them like benefiting from his appearance and being able to study him and being able to discover all these new isotopes and new elements and new ways to produce like because they they even say at one point they go so basically godzilla anywhere that there is oxygen in the in the world anywhere that there's oxygen he can use it to create energy and they're like that's that's terrifying and then another character goes yeah but that makes him like the greatest scientific find of the century you know that like if we could figure that out energy crisis solved um and so now they have that like they have that at their disposal and everyone is better for it it's the exact opposite moral of tezuka's mechagodzilla films where the whole premise of his stuff was because we were such dicks 
to the carcass of Godzilla, we invited more pain upon themselves, upon ourselves. This movie is like, because we are going to basically make this Godzilla live in a catatonic state of torture for the rest of his life. Uh, we're going to be better. Like, it's going to be awesome. But, but, for us. but could that be, be great? Could that be the setup for an interesting sequel, though? That it does could what you just be, said, but I don't know it's what like, they're going to do. Billy it. sprouts wings, and I like decide to leave the theater, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, but you see what I mean, right? You're like we, this idea you cut to like four years from now, right? And it's like, oh, look how much stuff we've benefited from having this, you know, catatonic Godzilla in the middle of our city, and then it comes back to bite them in the ass, you know. It, it could was, be, yeah, but right. it, it sounds like... As it, the movie itself stands, that's not the message. Well, it sounds right. like the director, yeah. he said, like, he's one and done. You know, he's just going to go back to doing... He's out now. He's doing the... Dude. Evangelion so, so Bird... Ten years. They all I haven't mentioned the, the train, awesome so. physics of the trains, either. Tra- the uh. snake trains. Those are the best. <laughs> they have, like, Velcro on them, and they can't... Yeah, like, what was <laughs> happening on them? <laughs> Well, can we, um, I mean, I don't, can we appeared and was like using the train. I don't. I don't even understand. Well, we we should talk. Uh, I mean, we, we. I mean, I know we're we're going long here, but whatever. Uh, we we do need to talk about the effects. How can you talk about a Godzilla movie yes. with not, without yes. talking about the effects? Now, it's been it's widely known at this point that um, the method that they wanted to use was the same one that the uh, Higuchi did on uh, Attack on Titan, and in that. Um, short uh the ancient god warrior nausicaa spinoff that they did for um studio ghibli uh of having just a giant puppet that would take up to three people to operate for whatever reason um that puppet failed uh all the all the all the effects tests and everything and Toho still being Toho, you know, they want to get the movie out on time, so they go with CG, which isn't Higuchi's area of expertise. Um, practical is his ex- area of expertise. Um, and that's what gave us the, the, that's why this Godzilla is a CG creation. Um, now, as far as how I, I think Godzilla himself, the, the, I guess, final form or whatever, I think is rendered quite well. But the first and second forms and a lot of the explosions and stuff like that uh, is pretty weak as far as CG standards go. Um, I, like, how did you guys feel about the, the effects work in this movie? There's one Bad. thing I want to point out um, <laughs> real, real quick is that the, the, the reason some of the effects are uneven, and that's the best way I could describe them, is because Toho used multiple studios for this movie because they had to get it out on time. So, like, you have one studio working on one portion of the film and other studios working on the other. So that's why you have so much inconsistency across the film um, because one studio is not working on it. It's a bunch of different studios. But, I mean, and the other thing is there, there were a couple practical effects. Like, there's some stuff. Um, you, there's, like, a making of clip you can go find on YouTube. On YouTube and there's, like, that scene where uh, the turkeyzilla thing waddles on the building and knocks it over and, like, this – this family gets actually knocked out of a building. That's actually some practical, but most of it is CGI. Um, but like from my, my perspective, like, man, those helicopters, every time I saw them, I just was like cringing inside because they always look terrible. And then you have like the snake trains and it's just, and I see people online saying like, this is the best CG they've ever seen. It's trying to say like, it's on par with Godzilla 2014. Dude, I saw someone say, take notice Hollywood. This is how you do it. I know I got. I literally was in an argument with. I was like, I I don't 
did we watch the same film? Because I, I, my, my blood was shooting out of my ears at one point. I think. Or your the gills. That, oh yeah. The, <laughs> the effect that drove me crazy, and I don't even really get what they're going for stylistically. It just looked terrible. Was the when Turkeyzilla first like starts to evolve, and they put that weird like shimmer effect on him? You guys know what I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to show like a like a muscle twitching sort of thing. So like his yeah, muscles are just bad. flexing. It looks because horrible. It yeah. looks really bad because all it looked like was like a glitch in the program or something, right? Like that's what it, like that's <laughs> like when you're playing a video looks. game and like it like freezes for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there were a lot of his animations and his walking that looked like that in general. They were terrible, yeah. Um, especially and Matt, Matt will, I'm sure be with me on this one because he's also seen it more than once. I'm not, I'm not sure how much you got. Right before, like right as he's taking his nap, the the animation. <laughs> Oh, that goes horrible. into that is it's horrible. Like it looks like guy, a glitch in the program. Did the guy mocapping like get a like tear his hamstring or something when he was walking? I don't know. What <laughs> we should bring it. this up because uh, we're we're talking about how um, you know the old suit actors like Nakajima and every and like took such great care and effort into putting personality into their monsters, and it's something you still see with someone like Andy Serkis and Planet of the Apes or King Kong. We should mention that this Godzilla is performed by a motion capture actor. Like, so what do you guys think? I don't get how that was a thing. I don't see where. I'm literally stupefied here. Like, I don't see where that comes into play anywhere in the film. Like, the one or two places it would have made sense is just like Tom was saying. Like, that looks. It would made sense to use um, mocap at that scene, like right before he freezes the first time, but. That's definitely not mocap, and it looks <laughs> horrible. So, so like they, why they why somebody to like stand there with their wrist turned upwards? Like I could have done that. I'll take your check. I mean, I'll take your this motion. Like, this had to have been the easiest job this act, mocap actor ever had. <laughs> we'll pay you all this money to just stand with your wrist turned up. I, I do want to say <laughs> I don't think we've talked about the turkey zillas too much. I do think. Um, that actually I was surprised that my most favorable reaction probably in the movie besides like um, Godzilla's like nighttime attack was the Turkeyzilla scene, the first phase or whatever, I actually kind of liked. Like I'm I- with you and I'm not entirely sure why. I, I think I just like how <laughs> weird of a concept in design it is but i i know you that, guys have said that but don't you agree that like that i mean that first shot oh that is, first like, shot is terrible it's bad cg and it's it's not the way to reveal this <laughs> this creature that's, that's the thing is at a certain point you you just have to admit that you're undercutting what you're going for by making something look that goofy right it Those wasn't big... meant to be seen head on for sure yeah but like i wanted like to like like pet him like a dog. It wasn't like a scary monster. It was like, yeah. oh, hey, you're. I don't like that's. And and see, I, I can don't... see how like they were going for like, oh, look at this like poor thing that's out of its element because like he he can't move. He's just kind of like squirming his way onto land. But but the music that's well, he looks under... like he's having a blast. Yeah, the the music <laughs> that's <laughs> the music that's undercutting it is the 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 ram the Tokyo Rampage music from '54, which is very ominous and very it's it's scary music. And so really it's, out of place yeah, here. Yeah, yeah it, it's like, and then he like belts out the fifty-four roar, and I'm like, man, that just doesn't sound right here. I've heard this. I don't. I don't know if you guys picked up on this from anyone at your screening. I actually did pick up on it from uh, a few people, like just that that we were kind of kind of talking to a little bit on our way out of the theater, and then I heard it um, from uh, from someone 
who did like a 20, 30 minute review podcast, they legitimately thought that this first form, because like these are people who, who, you know, knew that the movie was coming, but weren't like following all the spoilers and everything. Like a lot of us were, um, they legitimately thought that this first form was, uh, the monster that he was going to fight. Oh yeah, yeah. So my wife turns to me and says, "It's like, what monster is that?" I'm like, "That's Godzilla." And she gave the most disgusted looking <laughs> face. <laughs> it was priceless. Like she's just like, it's like investing. Like, oh, this be kind of cool. He's going to fight something in this movie. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do wish. I wish like that. I would love if that like turkeys love for the first form was a suit like, and it was, I had to picture a guy in a suit like wriggling through like a, a little miniature city. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> wow, we can't have but, that. But, but I will say like I that's the thing too. Like you guys said, I'm I'm really I'm just really bummed that they went with a CG route in general because. You know, I went on my rant at the beginning, but honestly, for all my issues with like the storytelling and like how boring the meetings are, if every time they cut to Godzilla, it was still suitmation, which is an art form that we all love and that we really only get from these, you know, Japanese films, then I would give this film so much more credit, right? And I'll, I would, I would at least kind of like it because it would still have a charm to it. But now you're just cutting from boring boardroom scenes to bad CGI, and there's like nothing for me to hang my hat on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, and. It, you know, like Matt said earlier, he, he he mentioned it, and and it's the way I feel too. It, if he was going to be this immobile, like I want to see these effects tests with this puppet. Be, like I want to see this thing, like the arm fall off of it, or it just completely <laughs> fall over or something. Because it, with how little they get any motion on this thing. You can't convince me. I'm sorry. Like, no matter what you say, you you can say that it failed effects tests all day long. Unless I see this thing, like, just falling over or, like, I don't know, breaking people's arms because it's so heavy they can't even work it. Like, you can't convince me that a a puppet would be more motionless than this thing. Like, this thing has, has like, like Matt said, they... They had this opportunity to take the CG and the fact that it was kind of foisted upon them to to do something with it. And they chose to instead be like, well, let's make the CG look like a really shitty immobile puppet. Well, the thing that's sad about it is that, I mean, Shinji Higuchi is probably the best. If you want practical kaiju stuff, like, that's your guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. And... <laughs> Here he he's you know he's working out of his element. It, it bums me out to think that he had a chance to do the effects for a Godzilla movie. Like after seeing his work on the on the Gamera trilogy, like he he's the guy that I wanted to see do the effects for a Godzilla film, and instead what we get were the you know all an all CG thing. And like you know for me, we're, we're hammering the effects. I don't think that they were overall that bad i think they were just uneven have any of you what is goro maki's deal what was and what is his relationship to godzilla i don't know <laughs> so goro is, is is he is the sci- the elderly scientist that commits suicide uh before the movie begins who's on the they boat say if he commits suicide it's all ambiguous nothing is like they just—it's—it's it's not even like they don't even know what happened to him. It's basically that he disappeared. He could be alive. Basically, he could be Godzilla. Oh, I was just yeah. man, you stole my joke. I was just about to say. I—I—that's <laughs> I, I, actually a fan theory. I was trying oh, to—I fi- was googling it and trying to see if like anyone wow. had an answer, but that's actually like a fan theory. 
Okay, so here's here's what I've actually been able to gather about Goromaki from two viewings. He was a scientist who hated radioactivity because it killed his wife. I I didn't I don't rem- correct, I don't yes. remember the discovery of that. I just remember like at the end when they're talking about him like he hated radioactivity, especially the kind that killed his wife. And I was like <laughs> <laughs> But, wife, but yeah, um so he uh, he hated radioactivity. So he went to work for the United States government to help them dump radioactive containers. Um, and then he discovered that this sea creature was feeding on radiation. And for some reason, no, not for some reason. Wait, no, yeah. He, uh, you want he, help? he redacted – well, I'm doing as good of a job as the movie. Um, <laughs> he redacted all of his findings to the Department of Energy because he didn't want there to be, like, nuclear proliferation. And there would be if they knew that they could just kind of, like, unleash all these little little sea creatures because I guess at the time Godzilla was, like, a tiny little sea creature – they could just unleash all these sea creatures to to eat radioactivity. So he redacted all his information, but then for some reason put it all in an envelope and then threw himself into the Tokyo Bay. And says, "Do as you like." Yeah. No, uh, I think that, no, maybe uh, maybe. The, so, do you think that like because they they can't like uncover like his secret until they fold it up into like origami? Do you think he did? Do you think he deliberately did that as a puzzle? So whoever discovers it, like they say that. So that's that's yeah. where a lot of the confusion on this character, especially like the first time I saw it, and bird a lot of your remaining confusion is like there's a scene where and this is this goes back to every single scene that Koyoko is in is like just a a travesty of writing. Um, Koyoko and Yaguchi are talking and and somehow they get on the subject of Goromaki and he's like, oh, he must have unleashed Godzilla on Japan as a test. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> so he mean? created Godzilla? Like, I don't understand. So is that where, I think where, on a rewatch, I think on a rewatch, it really doesn't come across as much that way. And what it comes across more as is he knew it was coming. So he gave Japan the puzzles, the pieces to the puzzle to try and get there and was kind of like, well, you can either do it the right way by figuring out my clever origami puzzle, or you can nuke yourselves into oblivion. I don't give a shit. Well, why why didn't he just tell them? Why didn't he just leave it out? Up? Why did why make a puzzle for why 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 be an because asshole? he was pissed off about radiation killing his wife. Yeah, so he wanted that he hates the government. And he wanted he wanted to teach Japan a lesson and make them realize that you can't just nuke things. But where is again, this scene that, in the movie? That's where I think that the message the of this end, movie. That's where I think that the message of this movie gets a a, a, a friggin' I'm sorry, fucked up the ass by by the ending where they're like, oh, don't worry, we've got this awesome thing that can now convert anything into nuclear energy for us. He's the fusion. He's Mister Fusion from Back to the Future too. Um, okay, Just hook well. his penis tail up to the DeLorean. <laughs> Anything? How do you guys feel about the acting? Uh, <laughs> it's okay. 
other than anything American. Well, there are oh. there are some there are some some people in here that I I always like to see. Um, actually, a uh, d- Japanese director I really like Shinya Sukamoto, who made the Tetsuo movies. He actually plays the scientist with the pink. Uh, towel around his neck that like he's my favorite character yeah um but yeah that's a you know why he's my favorite character though (laughs) why because he's so his whole job in the movie is to you know that scene in black dynamite where they're like ancient greece and they go through the whole thing to anaconda malt liquor that's what this guy does the whole he sits there and then he goes locomotion and like he goes on a whole thing and then and then like you know later in the movie origami (laughs) Uh, yeah um but yeah he made the tetsuo movies and he uh he's the hypnotist in ichi the killer and i don't know he he, he's i like i always like him and the guy that plays yuki in godzilla versus space godzilla is like the advisor to the first prime minister but in holy hell he looks like shit um like he looks (laughs) (laughs) he looks old like i i don't know he aged terribly um And then uh, June, there, we still love you. Yeah. <laughs> June Kunimura is in it, who you would know from a lot of stuff. He's in a lot of Mike movies, a lot of Kitamura movies. He was uh, the guy that Lucy Liu um, cuts his head off in Kill Bill. Um, yeah. I so, was really excited to see him. Yeah, he, it's always good to see him, even if he's just, you know. Cause, Not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you yeah, guys, I'll do my here. final thoughts last. You guys do your final thoughts. <clears throat> I think Trev should start. You, you started this. You should you should give the final okay. thoughts. Um, you know, at the beginning, I was being pretty rude for you know somewhat comedic <laughs> effect. Uh, I, I I don't want to apologize though necessarily because I really didn't like the movie. Um, you know, you, talking about it, I can analyze it a little more critically, and I can say, look, it's not like of course there's a, like some good things in it, but in general. I have to be that negative simply because of how disappointing I found in the moment and how visceral of a reaction I had against it. And it does just come from it being too boring, not having any characters to invest in, including Godzilla, and and just bad CGI, all of it put together. This really turned me off. And I, I do have to say, I, I, maybe this is going to sound hyperbolic, and I know this is coming from an, like an instant gut reaction, but I do think this was my least favorite Godzilla movie um, out of all of them. I would rather watch the 98 film and this is not to say that the 98 film is better but the 98 film is certainly more fun to watch and that's true of things like megalon and whatever other ones you guys want to throw at me they i would just have a better time watching them so i only gave this a half star in my letterbox review i stand behind that um you know it's it's not the biggest abomination ever made but as a as someone who's enjoyed a lot of the series this one really turned me off quite a bit so sorry folks so are we going out of five? Is the rating for this? That's what I did. But Trev, I mean, how many how many uh, how many meetings do you give this out of five? <laughs> oh, one hundred and six meetings out of five. That's the appropriate rating. <laughs> it's purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that you're giving it a one hundred and six out of five? <laughs> well, you know, just just meetings. That's the only other. That's the only way to rate it. <laughs> how many okay how many gushing uh or how many how many skeletal godzilla people do you give it out of five there well then see now i'll just take it back down and only give it a half <laughs> okay all right uh uh matt you're up all right um man this is one of my least favorite films of the franchise right now um i, I could see it 
maybe going up a little bit, but right now it's probably sitting in my bottom like three, um, bottom three or four if you include the '98 film, and and it's because it's just, it's such a bore to just sit back and, and watch. Um, it, it's a slog to get through. Like after Godzilla falls asleep, I mean, I'm checked out at that point because I have nothing to look forward to um, for the rest of the movie, really. And because of that, if I'm rating this on meetings, I would rate it all of the meetings. Um, <laughs> but if I'm rating it out of Godzilla people, I would give it a one, one out of five. And that's probably the lowest rating I, I would give a, a Godzilla film. So, All right. Um, Eric, I'm calling on you next, buddy. Uh, not only is this the worst Godzilla film in my estimation, it's also one of the worst. I, it might be hyperbolic, but... I'm just going to say it. It's one of the worst films I've seen, at least in recent memory. Um, I really think comparing it to Godzilla 98 is probably the best comparison because they're both not really Godzilla movies. I uh, will not be owning this one on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. Um, I just... So, yeah, I would rate it like a a, a .5 also. I just... um, yeah, it's between oh. apathy and dis- despising this film. All right, Thank and how God, many uh, how many skeletal Godzilla people growing out of a giant penis do you give this out of five? <laughs> I, you made it really sound like a, like a the worst STD you could ever get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you said a half, yeah. so you know I can take it. Yeah, it's, it's just a little uh, Godzilla person head, I guess. So it's like that. <laughs> Head and shoulders, a half a person. <laughs> All right, Tom, where, where, where are you at? I, I could tell you that, you know, I don't think it's as bad as these guys. And I could tell you that uh, I think this movie with a proper Americanization like uh, Godzilla 1985 and Godzilla 2000 got that uh, really edited out a lot of its worst bits and trimmed it down to a much tighter running length that it could be an enjoyable movie. I could say all that. But instead, I'm just going to pull a page out of uh, This is Spinal Tap. And and my review of the movie is Shin Godzilla. More like shit Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so obvious. Why did no one else? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Two out of five stars. All right. Um, well, that's I did a, remember what I want to say. Before you go, Bird, though, before Bird, just quickly, <laughs> I want to say that's that's actually interesting, Joe. I actually hadn't even thought about that, though, like what an Americanization of this might look like. And I have to admit, I might be willing to revisit it if I heard there was like an edited down version that kind of. Yeah, because I, 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 I agree, but there's not much footage they can pull from for like to flesh it out with like more Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that's true. to film more Godzilla stuff. But yeah, that's a really intriguing idea. They could yeah. have done something if there was like a lot of Godzilla stuff on the editing floor, maybe. Yeah, um, I actually did remember the point I want to make, but luckily it's not directly related to the content of the movie. So I'll start with my final <laughs> thoughts. Um, uh, I I I'm probably more in line with Tom. I didn't hate it as much as Trev, Matt, and Eric. Uh, but I definitely think of it as a wasted opportunity. Um, and I understand what they were going for with all the meetings and stuff. But um, this movie to me really so- seemed like Hideki Anno had a lot of stuff to say about the Japanese political climate. Uh, and then, I don't know, he binged like a bunch of Aaron Sorkin shows and <laughs> and tried to emulate that. And in the, in the process, he made a movie that wasn't concerned with 
any with Godzilla and more concerned with other things. And you can say, yeah, sure, other Godzilla movies, especially 54, have a message, but even then it is still it's telling you a story and it's it, it even those are placing a little more emphasis on Godzilla himself i feel like um this could have been anything it, it instead of Godzilla and it would have been the same movie um and uh the comparison i would i would give it is um we br- brought up Godzilla 84 which again was very heavy on politics and meetings but it still it still told a story and not only that movie, but a movie that I know Matt and Eric have watched um, a disaster movie that Toho did in the seventies called sinking of Japan, which was about Japan being ruptured by earthquakes and the country sinking into the ocean and having to look at what they can do. And if they can rely on other countries or what countries they can rely on. Um, And it's very much the same kind of plot as this, but even that movie really made you care about the characters. The characters had their own arcs and their own stories. And you could have made a movie doing what this movie did and had it be more engaging is my point. And I don't know if the, the, the lack of all that is a conscious decision or not, but if it is, it's one that I don't, I don't agree with. Um, and, uh, as far as the satire goes, uh, there are some great satirical moments that we talked about earlier, um, but the, that's really all loaded into the first half, and after that, it 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 isn't really a sat much of a satire anymore. Um, and and it, it's almost like uh, the satire of like old George Romero versus the satire of like new George Romero, like Dawn of the Dead versus like Diary of the Dead. Like the first half of this handles it in like something like Dawn of the Dead would have, and the second half is just completely blunt in your face political jargon um and not only that but once godzilla takes his his nap in the middle the movie grinds to a halt um and i i really didn't think the pacing of this movie was that bad in the first half but once it becomes godzilla sleeping and people just talking about coagulant and they just have meetings where they're really just getting redundant and talking about the same political things over and over it really does get tiring um uh, but I, I do enjoy the first half. Um, I'm with Tom on that. So I would probably give this one, um, oh, geez, I would give this one a two. Which, for Bird and Godzilla, that's like giving it a half. Right, yeah. Yeah, if you curve... Like, rank in your rankings? Yeah, if you curve, like, I, that's probably pretty accurate, Trev. Uh, the only movies that, I, as of right now, I think I enjoy less are Space Godzilla, because I just think that one's also a mess, and, and the 98 movie. So it, it's in the bottom tier for me. Um, you know, but... Well, they can't all be winners, I suppose. Yeah. Um, now, I was tempted to go lower myself just because, you know, it it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, you well, know, because I hate the ending so much. Well, Tom, one final point and why I think this also works as a good closeout, and this is where I'm reiterating beforehand, we're not trying to go after anyone, and if anyone enjoys this movie, that's awesome. Um, but, uh, Tom, you, you made a, a, a comment that... Well, you said this movie is guilty of everything that people that didn't like the 2014 movie said as their reasons, which is like lack of Godzilla, time, lack of, um, you know, relatable characters, and... Gills. Gil- yeah, Gills. <laughs> Gills is another one. Gills and, we- 
Weird Feet. Gills and Weird Feet, which he both has prominently in this. Um, and uh, also CG over Practical. And I don't know, that really struck a chord with me in that it really is like all those complaints like times five. I, I think the only thing that this movie might have for some people over that one might be that it is like at least trying to say something instead of just being like a popcorn movie. <laughs> are we? I mean, are we tiptoeing around the fact of just saying a lot of the fandom just likes it because it's Toho? Let's just say it. No, no, that, that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, but yeah. now you're public enemy number one. Well, well, I, again, <laughs> we're we're not saying everybody. We're just saying there's people out there. I'm still um, a proud owner of a Godzilla versus Evangelion T-shirt. So. Oh God! Here comes uh, the part of the podcast where Matt and Bird tell us why they're still going to buy this on Blu-ray. This is like <laughs> this is no longer a podcast. This is an intervention. Uh, please, guys. Um, so yeah, I mean that's our that's just our opinion. If if you're one of the many many people out there that love this movie, that's awesome. Um, but we're not ready to get on that side of the fence, unfortunately. Um, all right. Do, do, do we actually think that Hidekiano like knew what he was implying with the skeleton? The skeleton. I don't. Godzilla I, I mean, I, maybe he did, but it, it's one of those things where he'll probably never say. Because I mean, for people that don't know, he is like a very like he's like a surrealist, more of a surrealist, abstract filmmaker, and. You know, I he probably just could have. I think, if anything, he probably ended it on that note to to get people talking. And you know, yeah, oh, what do you Shin, think? This Shin, uh, Shin two, Reign of the Godzilla people. <laughs> right. <laughs> do any? Uh, all right. Uh, anyone else have any last uh, closing? We're, we're, we're done. We're, okay. We're no. Done. <laughs> Stop talking, everyone. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you for putting up with this, people. Uh, uh, and uh, tune in next time for a more normal version of the podcast. And we're also going to be doing a special just about the politics of this movie. So tune in for that. Uh, I am Bird signing out. Thank you again to Tom, Eric, and Trev for joining us. Um, you guys are always a pleasure, and I'm sure you'll be back. All right. Good night, everybody. Peace out.